I don't know. You think maybe Steele's losing his edge? Yeah, looks like just about any dog could outrun him. Alfonso, what a crazy thing to do. Just to show off to a pretty girl. I'm sure Jenna would love to have hey, you on her team. Hey, hey, Rosie, oh. stay away from him. Dad. He might bite you, honey. He's part wolf. Well, now you've hurt his feelings. <laughs> Come on, now. just ran <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome <laughs> to non bluth was that a good open <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's only one that makes sense well, you know? yeah i couldn't think of any other way yeah <laughs> just welcome to non bluth <laughs> yeah where we don't talk about don bluth movies and instead we talk about well films that are similar or has some relevance or have some kind or of sometimes they don't have anything to do with anything but right but, but in we'll... this case i feel like people could mistake this film for a don bluth film well probably but there, have. there is a divergent i mean there is yeah. actually a connection yes. here yes and this also is a film from 95 like pebble and the penguin oh okay i forgot that that was that year so or I'm, or I'm wrong. No, that could. <laughs> but I will check. Um, but uh, we're talking about Balto. 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 You knew it was going to come to this. Yes, because we talked about. Look, we're just going to talk about all the amblimation films because there were well, only this three. Is, you're right. This is the third and final amblimation movie. Also, it has snow in it, like Pebble and the Penguin. Mm -hmm. So we cool. felt like, you know... There's a connect here. And, well, I guess if the year is correct, then that... I mean, not that I'm doubting you. If, if you weren't well, terribly this, wrong, there's also that connection, Literally too. was the last episode. <laughs> 95. Okay, wow. So same year. Yeah. Same snowy uh, landscape. <laughs> same, you know, animals talking, although different animals. Different kind, Although we do yeah. have a bird in this one, so, you know... Uh, Oh yeah, there's a talking bird in this mm -hmm. one. So, mm -hmm. but uh, but amblimation, we should clarify the the in previous episodes we talked about what was it? Uh, the first time we talked about it was an American Five goes west. Yeah, well, an uh, American tale colon colon Five goes, goes west, west. <laughs> which we talked about after talking about an American tale. an American tale, um, and then not long after we we talked about. The second movie they made, which was We're Back, Oof. a Oof. dinosaur story. I'm actually curious at the end of this, we should rank our emblemation. Do our emblemation rankings? Pretty I, know easy. It's only, I don't know. I think we might you disagree about so? which is the top one. Oh, the, oh, curious. I think we do. Now I, now I want to hold it in suspension. <laughs> yeah. I think I know what the worst one is, though. Yes, I think we're both in agreement <laughs> as to what the worst one is. So, so th this is the film that bankrupted. <laughs> Amblimation. I mean, let's face it. They were on their way out as soon as they started because they they spent too right. much money on their films. They didn't have like listen to they the were we're back. Expensive. I feel like the we're I feel like we're back was like really what bankrupted them, and they just kind of kept trying to go on. Right. Balto was this attempt to save it. Yeah. But it it, it was didn't too get late. it didn't get the serum through in time. <laughs> one might say <laughs> the musher died. <laughs> <laughs> um. But. 
Well, as we as we know, the musher getting unconscious is not a deterrent for dogs to for, find their way. For dogs being able to make it and to tie serum back to a sled somehow. Yeah. I- um, there's a lot of things in this movie I could question. But, but um, let's well, go over past experience with this yeah film. i was gonna i was gonna say I, actually this is one of the because there's so many non-blues we've done where i haven't i hadn't seen them before right. or sometimes even heard of them uh but my cat's in the also litter your box. cat's in the litter box it's fine <laughs> he waited till we started recording <laughs> uh but actually this is one of the non-blue films that i had actually seen as a kid and i can't say that i remembered much from it like i didn't remember I mean, I, I remembered that it was like sled dogs trying to get medicine or somewhere. That's all. Uh, right. But yeah, I had seen this as a kid. I remember liking it as a kid. Um, yeah, I don't remember like watching it all the time, but I think I watched it multiple times and it was it was a good film. And rewatching it, I actually I really like it. I think it's actually really good. Yeah. I also remember seeing it when I was younger. Um, it was definitely in that same realm of the Don Bluth movies and, and yeah. just childhood animated features. And this is yours, this VHS is your childhood. No, it isn't. Oh, okay. This is a, v- <laughs> <laughs> this is a VHS. I found, we have not only the Blu-ray, but the VHS sitting here. We don't I, have the laser disc. We're sorry. <laughs> I found this VHS at a uh, Goodwill, but it, I got it because this is the VHS that has like the movie poster on the cover. Oh. So it, it has the kind of nice illustration of Balto looking off and all the other characters around it. And it says, his story became a legend. His adventure is one you'll never forget. And as usual, I think the VHS art is a little bit better yes. than the Blu-ray. I mean, the Blu-ray is not terrible. We've seen worse. Yeah, it is. But it's just not super interesting. The VHS one, it has like it has these like icicles at the top, and so you've got the Northern Lights behind Balto. Right. The, oh, got... the very important Northern Lights. <laughs> the horror boy. The uh, a rough uh, boy out. No, that didn't work. I Aurora Barky Allen. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Aurora Balto Realis. No, no, no. <laughs> but, don't lose your day job. Botorial, uh, no. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> but but the um, but uh, I'll return to this VHS in a moment. But I do remember having seen it as a kid, and I was curious how seeing it now would compare. The one thing I vividly remembered, but I couldn't remember how it was in the movie. How what like I guess where it sat in the movie. I couldn't remember the context as much, but I remembered him and the wolf in that one scene. I always thought that was really striking, him seeing the white wolf Mm -hmm. that he... Which I'm still not sure if it's real or if it's something in his mind. Well, when I, I feel like I don't remember where I was reading this, but I did a bunch of like real fast research today. And (laughs) one of them mentioned something about seeing his mother, but it wasn't his father a wolf. I thought he said like he got his big paws from his dad's side. I thought maybe, wait, I thought it was his, I was can't his remember. Was I don't know if that wolf Sorry. was his mother. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't clear. But let's say in the, in the context of the film, it's not clear what the wolf is, if it's real. Um, I thought it was a real wolf, but then we never see the wolf again. Nobody else sees the wolf. So, right. And it's in this really cool style that the wolf, and there's also a bear that's in a really cool, interesting animation style this that leans, really stood out. This leans heavily into uh, Inuit. Uh, Inuit. Inuit. I always possibly? forget how you're supposed I, to say it. I'm actually it, but not like, sure. 
Inuit like art, I think was maybe an influence on some of the design and the character design is kind of unique. I, I can't think of another animated film that has has quite the look that the characters do. They it's like they're kind of angular but not too angular. There was Just always, like all the characters in general? All the characters, but especially that wolf has oh, a very yeah. like you said it has a very unique look compared to everyone else. Well, and the bear is just like a few colors, oh, you yeah, know. The bear, bear the, is the, real cool. The black bear. Is yeah. it a brown or black bear? I think it's a black bear. I well, assume uh, it's mostly black. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't claim to know anything about anything. They, they give it a harsh like mostly it's just a mass of black with like some highlights. color like some splashes of color, you know. It's yeah. real cool. So the the bear and the wolf, the more wild animals in this were like mm-hmm. definitely distinct. But but before we get too into that, yeah. Um, since we have both of these here, I thought it'd be funny to read the <gasps> summaries. Oh, good idea. That are on, on. Cause we did that specifically for Rockadoodle because we couldn't <laughs> tell like what the story <laughs> was and it was very illuminating. Do you want to read one? I'll read the other. Sure. Sure. I'll read, I'll read the old VHS one. Okay. And again, on the front, it's Balto looking all, all rather dashing. Yeah. We need to um, eventually talk about how hot the animals are in this, but continue. Oh my, yes. Uh, his story became a legend. His adventure is one you'll never forget. Um, so it's kind of true. I never did forget this movie after yeah. seeing it. Uh, one of, on the back it says, in quotes, one of the best family movies of the season. A thrilling adventure full of imagination and humor. Michael Medved, PBS slash sneak previews. Oh, okay. Yeah, him. <laughs> you know. Michael Medved. You know what's anyway. weird is that, well, not to jump ahead, but like Roger Ebert actually liked this movie, so I don't know why they didn't put his quote on it. Right. That, <laughs> but this quote sounds like one of those like Joel Siegel quotes you uh, always yeah, see yeah. on the back where it's like, uh-huh. this was great. People should see it. It's the most <laughs> generic. It doesn't tell you anything about the movie. Um, but it says, Amblin Entertainment presents a dazzling animated adventure about one of the most courageous canines of all time. Based on a true story, Balto will touch your heart. Part husky, part wolf. Balto doesn't know where he belongs. He's an outcast in Alaska, except to his true friends. Boris, the Russian snow goose, polar bear cubs, muck and luck, and the beautiful husky Jenna. (laughs) Wow, they don't even like... They don't don't beat around any bush there. Even though he's different, all of Balto's friends recognize what he still can't see himself, his noble spirit. Mm. One day, a serious diphtheria epidemic spreads mm. fast among the children of, of Nome? Was Gnome. It? Gnome. It's just N-O-M-E. Mm-hmm. Okay. When a fierce blizzard closes off all routes of transport, there's no way to obtain life-saving medicine. Unless a team of sled dogs can race 600 miles through the blinding Arctic storm and bring back antitoxin. But the dogs are lost in the frozen wilderness. Now, only Balto can rescue the team and save the children. Starring the voices of Kevin Bacon, Bridget Fonda, Bob Hoskins, and Phil Collins. (laughs) I have to say, that is the one name looking at this now that I was not expecting to see. Yeah. Balto is the remarkable tale of a hero who inspired a nation and became a legend. Wow. Color, one hour, 18 minutes. Hmm. That's a good, that's a good back of the box uh, description. Yeah, and there's some good screen caps on the back here. Yeah. And on the side, it, it, yeah. it's it got just the picture of Balto's face. Uh-huh. It's actually different. Like the art is oh. different on the side. It's Oh, just... weird it is. Huh. So 
Yeah, I, I mostly, like the packaging on this VHS. Yeah, I think it, nice. on the VHS, Balto looks more like kind of like uh, courageous, whereas on the Blu-ray, he looks just like a nice dog. The the Blu-ray is clearly a different artist yeah. later that was commissioned to draw yeah. the new Blu-ray art that uh-huh. like and the, even the text for for Balto doesn't look oh, as cool. Yeah. It looks squished. Yeah, whereas. This looks, I don't know. Yeah, on the original poster, the whole Balto text looks very purposeful and Mm -hmm. has a nice flair to it. This is a font someone downloaded. You'll you'll (laughs) notice, right. But you'll notice that the thing about the title is that it looks furry. It has like fur to it. Oh, If you really look close to it. And this almost looks like a tail coming off, which all the furry animals in this movie, I felt they put a lot of effort into into that into seeing the fur and like oh yeah the jagged i'm trying to think of how to explain it but if you look at the outline of a lot of these creatures there's a lot of care that went into making them feel like they had fur and the floofy polar bear and the floofy polar bear for that one shot (laughs) was hilarious i was on i was finally on board with the polar bear after that (laughs) um Um, should i read the blu-ray yeah i'm curious what the blu-ray has to blue say in all in all caps hd picture and theater quality sound oh yay the true story of an american hero Experience the journey of one of the most courageous canines of all time with Balto, inspired by an incredible true story. Part husky, part wolf, Balto doesn't know where he belongs. He's an outcast in Alaska, except to his true friends, Boris, the Russian snow goose, polar bear cubs, Muck and Luck, and the beautiful husky Jenna. This is like the same as the beautiful husky Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he's different, all of Balto's friends recognize what he still can't see himself, his noble spirit. Okay. It's the same. So they are copy pasting Uh, it a little. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. I won't read the rest of it because it's like, it's basically exactly the same. It seems a little shorter though. It's like, it's left out some stuff, but. Let me see. I'm just skimming it. One day a series episode. Do they both end on the same point? I would hmm. save the children. Oh yeah. And then it leaves out the starring the voices. <laughs> yeah. So. Cause they're like, ah, you don't care anymore. You okay. bought the Blu-ray. You don't need any more information. But yeah, that, those are actually, that is a, a concise summary yes. of the story. Yes. And it was an actual true thing that happened, which... And you notice what they don't mention there. Uh, the actual symptoms of diphtheria, well, which aren't just like little kids coughing. No, I'll get to that them. in a minute, but... No, but you notice a character they don't bring up at all. Oh, Steel. Right. <gasps> which will play into something I want to say about Steel later oh, on. that's interesting. Yeah. They don't um, mention... Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so this movie... <laughs> Where do we go from well, here? Well, can I talk about the actual thing? Because I think it's really interesting. Is sure. that this actually did happen? Because, okay, so first of all, there's a podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You. And every episode is about a different infectious disease, which is super interesting and also disgusting sometimes. Um, but they did an episode a while back about diphtheria. And when I was listening to that episode a while back when it came out, they were talking about like the history of the disease. And one of the one of the hosts is like, I'm really excited because, okay, so back in the 1920s, I think it was, Mm. uh, there was an outbreak of diphtheria in a small town called Nome, Alaska. And she's like, do you know where I'm going with this? And the other host is like, no, what what is this? Is it a book or is it a movie? And she's like, (laughs) there was a, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't 
it, it actually is true that it was so cold, not even in the winter. I think she said between October and July, you like couldn't get into this town. Like you couldn't send a boat in because it was just frozen. You right. couldn't send a plane in because of like visibility and the, you know, stuff like that. So they had to use sled dogs. And, and finally she's like, it was the, it was Balto. The movie Balto was about diphtheria and they were all excited. But basically what happened is this, uh, there was like this town physician and he had some of the expired antitoxin. No, they call it antitoxin because diphtheria is like, it's a bacterium that cause it. Like it's not the bacterium itself doesn't cause the symptoms, but it releases a toxin that gets into cells and like mm. inhibits their protein, their ability to make proteins and it kills off your cells. And actually the main symptom of diphtheria, I mean, yes, there's some coughing and you can get like heart problems, but it actually like, like scar tissue starts to grow in your throat. Like you get a really oh sore throat and then it starts to like grow this tissue, like this fibrous tissue in your mouth. And that's how you die is it like chokes you cause it closes off your airway. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, and I saw pictures of this and it's disgusting and apparently it smelled awful. And so like you could smell it when you were like near someone who had diphtheria, it would just be like this odor coming from their mouth. So you don't get that from, uh, <laughs> from this movie as, as I'm sure we are all glad. Uh, but anyway, so they had like some antitoxin, but then the, the last like supply train came in and there wasn't any more on it. And he's like, well, fingers crossed, we don't have an outbreak. And then they had an outbreak <laughs> and, uh, Jesus. yeah. So then it's like, well, we have to send sled dogs and it is nothing like what happens in Balto. <laughs> I mean, I think that goes without saying, cause it's talking. Well, I don't know if it does. I, I was curious. Well, I mean, you mean in terms of how the dogs solve the problem? Yes. And well, like it's that. not that there were these dogs in Nome who then ran over to get the antitoxin and saved the day, but it was basically just like Balto's a real dog, but right. he's not half wolf. He's actually okay. just a Siberian Husky. And, uh, there was just a, it was like a relay. There wasn't like one dog that, that took all the, all this, you know, that pulled the sled over there, but it was like a relay of dogs. And actually Balto only did the last little chunk. So he was the one who, who was like the last, uh, leg of the relay, but the dog that did like over 200 miles was actually named Togo and Togo hardly got any recognition because Balto was the one who like finished the race. And so there's actually a dog named Togo, who's the real hero of the story, who basically got huh. shafted in all the retellings of this tale. So yeah, but, but yeah, they got the antitoxin, like, you know, saved a bunch of people, um, but so is the statue that's in what central park yes. is that of Balto? Yes. It's of Balto, but not of Togo, not of Togo. <laughs> However, Disney supposedly is making a movie about Togo, like a live action movie. What? I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Togo needs to get his recognition because he did over 200 miles of this 600 mile. Like it's 600 miles from where they went to Nome and they did it all with dogs. So this movie is revisionist history is essentially what Yeah, we're <laughs> well, the, it, even then at the time, they were all praising Balto. Uh, and there's actually, I'm just going to look up the uh, Balto Wikipedia. You can see a photo of him. He's actually a black Siberian husky. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, so there was the serum run. Togo was the star. 
instead of celebrating the triumph together as one huge team, many became jealous of the publicity Balto received, especially from President Calvin Coolidge and the press. Sapala, the musher, favored Togo, but the general public loved the story behind Balto, and so they would take a far different path after the celebrations were over. Balto was not welcomed at the ceremony in New York, in oh. which Sapala and Togo received awards. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, but Balto has a statue in Central Park, and Which is he's in this movie taxidermied at the Cleveland Museum of oh, Natural really? History. Is that really? Yeah, <laughs> that's an actual taxidermy yeah. of Balto. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So yeah, Balto became a celebrity. There was the statue. Um, yeah, and again, this happened when it happened in um nineteen twenty five. Okay, yeah, and what's really sad is that. Uh, Balto, the, the owner of Balto, he sold both the dogs, I think. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. So he sold the, his dogs to a company and they ended up in a novelty museum and freak show in Los Angeles, just like chained up. So these like hero dogs just ended up in some weird freak show. And then someone else like bought them and then they were given like a parade. I don't know. It's really weird. There's a whole history wow. on Wikipedia of like the story of these and dogs. Balto died in 1933. Mm-hmm. So this is eight years after that. After yeah. that whole event. Yeah. What about Togo? It doesn't say. <laughs> it still, still gets shafted. We yeah. don't find out what happened to Togo. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, diphtheria was something that it was a big deal back then because it mostly affected children, not babies, not adults. And uh, it had a really high mortality rate. So it's like it would kill like 42% of people. So if you had a a school of 100 people, like with 100 kids in it, 42 of them would die. And it spread so fast. So like everyone was really worried about it. And now we have a vaccine for it and everyone just gets it as kids. You get the vaccine. Um, now diphtheria is kind of making a comeback because oh, no. people aren't getting their vaccines anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's where we are now. Like in the United States, it had mostly been eradicated yeah. throughout the world. It still exists, you know, because you need a certain number of vaccines to build up your immunity. Um, but yeah, if you're in America and you're just somebody who doesn't feel like vaccinating your kids, you're going to bring back diphtheria and measles and uh, <laughs> we're going to need another Balto. <laughs> Uh, yeah so anyway that's that story (laughs) yeah very uplifting but i think it's so fascinating that this was actually based on a real thing and i love like learning about diseases it's just fascinating so i'd recommend people listen to that podcast it was what was it again Uh, this podcast will kill you Mm -hmm. i've heard i've heard you talk about that one before yeah they're on the same network as the percast not oh well they're an exactly right podcast exactly right (laughs) but i legitimately love that you're well-known podcast (laughs) this is your (laughs) this is on the side of your lesser known (laughs) podcast just fine (sighs) but anyway so back to the film though right i just found something interesting because i was Mm-hmm. I've been spoilers. Neither Sarah or I had very much time to research things in between yeah. watching this film and this point in time now mm-hmm. while we are recording. But uh, so I am sort of actively looking up things during this conversation. But the poster for Balto was done by John Alvin, um, who was born in 48 and died in 2008. Uh, he was an American painter cinematic artist and he 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 actually did it says on wiki it says that he created posters for 
Posters and key art for more than 135 films, wow. beginning with the poster for Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles in 74. Um, and his style became known as Alvin-esque by friends and colleagues in the Whoa. entertainment industry. And I, I, when yeah. I look at it, it, it does remind me of other kinds yeah. of posters. And it says he, he did work for E.T., Blade oh. Runner, Gremlins, The Goonies, The Color Purple, The Little Mermaid, Batman Returns, wow. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, and The Emperor's New Groove. And he also created the anniversary posters for Star Wars. Oh, my God. So. He had quite the career. Yeah. Um. And uh, it reminds me a little bit of Drew Struzan's art oh. style, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he seen, they seem neighboring oh. too, because Drew Struzan did the An American Tale yeah, poster. That's such a you good remember? Poster. Mm-hmm. But there's something like that kind of classic. Um, yeah. I don't know Spielberg cinematic art yeah. style uh-huh. that that. Uh, and w- we should clarify that Steven Spielberg, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who essentially created Amblimation with uh wanting to make his own animation studio after do we i guess we could vaguely recap that yeah. that what happened was uh, an american tale happened with don bluth and then they made a land before time mm-hmm. and don bluth i think they kind of wanted to split ways a little bit yeah. because what i think the problem was was that over 10 minutes got cut from land before yeah. time well into the animation process mm-hmm. So I don't think that sat well with them. As it shouldn't. <laughs> and um, and also when they were approached to make an American tale to uh, what Kathleen Kennedy went to their studio and, and was like, hey, can you make it for less money than you made the first one? And uh, they responded with no. <laughs> Uh, no we can't and to which she said are you sure you want to say no Mm, oh my god and they said i think we have to Mm -hmm. if i'm kind of paraphrasing but i think that's what it was is that and so they ended up passing on it and in order to make five goes west they had to create amblimation uh spielberg and kathleen kennedy and and amblin entertainment and they they it was a uh, Brit, it's in Britain, right? It's a British studio. Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and they ended up um, spending basically twice what it would have cost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make it with by making their own studio, and then after making Five of Goes West, they made We're Back, and then they made Balto. Yeah. Um. So it says on the back here of the box, uh, or no, the front of the box, because it's the movie poster. That's what's nice when the movie poster's on the front is you can see all the movie poster credits at the bottom. Uh Uh, And so it has, uh, but yeah, executive producers were Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Bon Radford. Um, Produced by Steve Hickner. And directed by Simon Wells. And Simon Wells yes. worked on all. He was director on all three. Yeah, he was. And Simon Wells is the great grandson of H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, and he co-directed Five Goes West and We're Back with Phil Niblink. Yes. And then also the Zondag brothers kind of directed We're Back too because We're Back was a hot mess. Yeah. And one of the Zondags was in the credits for this film. Yeah. A lot of the same names yeah. of people were in this movie. Um, but the style of this is very different it is. from both those films. Oh, we, we should mention just that uh, their next film was going to be Cats 
based on the musical cast. Oh, I was going to get to that. <laughs> well, I want to say, though, but but cast... Um, so, bleh. Phil Niblink wasn't director on this one. He wasn't mm-hmm. a co-director. And I think it's because he was working on Casper. Wait, the live-action Casper? Yes. <gasps> he was an animation director on the live-action Casper movie, it says on, on his wiki. I so, wonder if that movie holds up. That, I loved that movie as a kid. And that one came out in 95. Mm. So... I think that's what he was off doing. Pleasure to meet you, sir. But Simon Wells was the only director for this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little more coherent. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Like, I mean, I have some qualms with it, I suppose, you know, but like it has a good story. It has good pacing. You know, maybe it's not 100% true to what actually happened. And, right. You know, but... Oh, and before we forget cats. Um, <laughs> How could we forget cats? They were going to make, yeah, as you said, they were going to make an, an a 2D animated mm-hmm. cats. Um, and Spielberg didn't really get his way until... Was he connected with this live action? Um, I thought I saw his name as like an executive producer or something. And it is through Amblin. An executive producer? <laughs> Yeah, but but it is it is it was through Amblin. It's Universal. Uh, yeah, I saw the Amblin credit. So yeah, he. I mean, they still had the rights. I'm guessing. I think that they had all those years ago. Maybe I don't know how that stuff works. I think Paul had sent me something amongst the things that he had sent for previous episodes. But he he sent an image of concept art that had <gasps> been done by Amblimation for the Cats movie that actually did somewhat inspire some of the set in the live action one. Okay. So it was interesting if you saw the production painting for it and then what the it looked like in the live action one now, it was like, oh, clearly they looked at this. So it's interesting because, yeah, technically that fourth amblimation film that would have been kind of for for better and worse became what it this became, yeah. <laughs> thing is that, that came out. You've seen Cats, I have not. Yes, I don't. Look, I'm the only one who doesn't recommend it, apparently. So people love it. Um, I thought if you like it, more power to you. I'm just saying, like it, it wasn't as it wasn't weird enough to be interesting. It was I was bored through parts. That's the part I I didn't mind that it was bad. I minded that it was boring. I just I have purely (laughs) aesthetical qualms with looking at it. I'm like, this is baffling to me that they chose this artistic yeah i think they were trying to decide if they wanted to do it all animated in which case they probably would have done cgi or do all live action or do this thing and it was um it was when the director who who, who's the director i'm forgetting his name i have no idea he did um oh he did what did he do i'm like i'm blocked out all of cats cats 2019 (laughs) looking it up right now He's Tom, Tom Hooper. Hooper, who did what else did he do? Oh, he did Les Mis, the live action Les Mis, which is like not good either. Mm. <laughs> and he did some other stuff too, but I think when he came on board, he's like, I want to do it like this. Java. I just remember <laughs> Russell Crowe. I trying, remember Russell Crowe to singing sing. too. That's all I remember from that. <laughs> uh, that kind of came to me that that Les Mis movie seemed sort of in the wake of like the live action phantom movie to phantom of the opera where it was like picking like having gerard butler sing Hmm. he does okay (laughs) you know what i mean but it's still it's like why not just get singers or people who are stage performers that 
like can do this thing. Yeah. You might like Cats then. They actually got some really good like singers. Isn't Taylor and Swift in it? She is, yeah. And but I briefly. Heard, She's only in like one scene. I, all the reviews that I had listened to said that her part was like the best it is, thing yeah. in the whole movie. It is, yeah. It is, I would say okay. so. But Jennifer Hudson does a great job with memories. She plays Grizabella. Um, and there's like a, and the how's main- Gandalf? Uh, he's great. He's actually really great. <laughs> he's one of the better characters too. But even like the main character, the cat they choose is the main character. She's not anyone so, that I know. I'm sorry, we're no, just talking I about know. cats. We were you were promised dogs on this episode, and now the opposite. But it's related. It's related. Look, Cats 2019 came from the failure of Amblimation Studios. So interesting. <laughs> a, a, a movie. Uh, what is it? I guess a. Uh, t- uh, t- 24 no we're in 22 let's just say like 25 let's round it up a movie 25 years in the making plus maybe is cats 2019 yeah so well okay i mean maybe one day i'll see it in a very Uh, intoxicated state of mind you have to go to the rowdy screening then i think that's the only way to enjoy it we're watching movies for the next pod on that night oh that that's happening <laughs> i don't know i think you'd enjoy it more that you should you should go to that <laughs> we should reschedule like, <laughs> it's like this is an off mic conversation if you're ever gonna watch it that's how you have to watch it so i'm insisting that you go <laughs> maybe anyway. i also don't want to pay to see it oh <laughs> yeah neither did i issue. but uh but balto yeah balto back so, to the dukes yes um should we just talk about the movie our thoughts on it because like We've already talked about the plot. We've talked about the true life thing. I have thoughts. I guess I'm I one last thing here Mm -hmm. is I'm curious what else Simon Wells did, because I other than the amblimation stuff, I actually am am a little unfamiliar with. Oh, I looked him up. Uh, What was interesting, actually, yeah, bring up his filmography, because there was something in it that I couldn't figure out what it was that's to be announced or it's coming soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so go, yeah, click on Simon Wells. And then also, the screenplay Cliff Ruby, Alana Lesser, David Stephen Cohen, Roger S. H. Shulman. Wow, four different That's names a lot of people. <laughs> in the screenplay. But filmography. Yeah. So, yeah, you can go through. Oh, The this. Prince of Egypt. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it. that. Yeah. And the time. The time machine. That's so interesting. Oh. <laughs> they kept it oh, in the family. That's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Oh. And Mars needs moms. <laughs> and what is this to be announced? Save the cat. You click on it. It's that book, save the cat. And it doesn't mention anything about a movie. We're back so... to cats again. <laughs> what the? <laughs> it's who I am. <laughs> well, and, you know, in an American tale also yeah. has cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. But I didn't know he directed the Prince of Egypt, which was in 98. And is then that a in... good one? I haven't seen it. It's been forever since I've seen it. Oh. So I, can't tell you but i remember the prince of egypt being an interesting film Hmm. i mean it's Mm -hmm. one of the old dreamworks 2d films before the shrekening (laughs) um and all of that jazz you like jazz Um, (laughs) when are we doing our b movie movie? it's dreamworks i was trying to anyway mars needs moms i i'm sorry i I skipped over Mars Needs Moms. Mm, he wrote it too. That was one of the ones. That's it's the, the only, only one, one he wrote here too. that he wrote. Okay. And apparently to be announced, Save the Cat. He's directing and not writing. I have no idea. Cool. What that's about. Well, keep us posted if you're listening <laughs> yeah. to this for some reason. Simon, <laughs> Simon Wells just Wells sees 
a podcast come up about a movie he's probably long forgotten working <laughs> on. Um, just talking about other people involved with this, James Horner was also, uh, he composed the score for this film. Oh, wait, I just also want to, sorry, I, that's important, but... <laughs> It says in this one section for Simon Wells, born in Cambridge, he attended the Peirce School and De Montfort University, where he studied audiovisual design. Upon graduating, he found a job at Richard Williams Studio, where oh. he animated commercials and other projects. Wells later supervised the animation on uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And Richard Williams, I've, I've said it a couple of times, but he, you know, he was animation director for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and he, he just passed away, sadly, this mm. past year. But one of the greatest animators who's ever lived. Um, and you know who else was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Bob Hoskins. Right, Bob Hoskins. Who and, was in this film. And it's also Amblin. And so, yeah, there's a lot of connect here with, with all that. Anyway, yeah. but carry on oh, with, yeah. with James Horner. James also, Horner. It's I, been forever. It's been a I hot know. minute since we've talked about was, any James Horner music. What was the last film that we... Was it... Uh, oh, it was probably We're Back. Maybe. Although... In a weird way, that's not really a James Horner I, score. Well, I looked at. I was actually trying to find something about whether he also outsourced all of his I was work wondering. on Balto, and I, don't, I couldn't find anything. I don't think he did. I think so. For the story to recap, we're back at time. By the way, I, I'm so sorry, but we're back is is a. It's terrible. It's a, it really is bad and does not yeah. hold up. Sands like one scene that is funny with the clown, but like apart from yeah. that. Um, was that Martin Short? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have talked about. Who was about, also in Pebble and the Penguin? Who was in Pebble and the Penguin? But I was like, <laughs> I was trying to remember when the last time we had talked about Martin Short was, oh, yeah. and I couldn't remember it on the Pebble episode. But yeah, so it's just like a whole long tirade he goes off on. It's so good. Back. That's really funny. But in, but overall, that movie is. Uh, it's bad. But James Horner, according to I think it was Phil Nibbling talking about it, said that. They realized that he was outsourcing. He was like having sub writers, sub composers and conductors yeah. come in and make the score for where in his style kind of. Yeah. But you can tell it's not him. I mean, like you can't, it's something you can tell it's not him. It's that it's not very, it's not as good as the stuff that he's done in, in books. What's that shadow shadow writer? I don't know. Oh, what's the term for it? Oh, uh, uh, um, a pen name? No. No, it's when a you're, ghost writer. A ghost writer. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So he basically had ghost composers for for We're Back. Speaking of Casper. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who who scored Casper? Mm. Um, I don't know. Casper was good. Okay, I'll look that up while you, you continue that up, talking but, about that. So I don't know if We're Back counts as <laughs> the last time that we were talking about James Horner, but or a, an official James <laughs> Horner score. Yeah. But I think he maybe was on. American Tale? No, he did Land Before, Land Before Time. Time. Yeah, he did Land Before Which Time, which was very good, very good score, An incredible score. Mm -hmm. And he also did the score for Once Upon a Forest, which <laughs> yeah is a better score than that movie a deserves. Score that doesn't fit the movie. It's too good for the film. I oh, thought that Casper got it. <laughs> Music it... by James Horner. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had an inkling. <laughs> Man. That's hilarious. So it's all connected. So yeah, James <laughs> Horner composed the music for Casper as we well. We don't know if he had a ghostwriter for that one. But That'd be really funny if mm -hmm. he did. But I mean, basically, if you want to guess, like if 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 you're trying to figure out which scores James Horner did, just name a movie, and he probably did it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think he scored this one because I thought the score was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good.
was a, it was overall like just a well done movie. I thought the animation was good. Everything about it was good. I, I'm surprised this movie did flop at the box office. Well, I'm not well, surprised. What was it? It's competitor? Toy Story. Oh, right. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, so its budget, it says on Wiki oh, mm-hmm. that it, its budget was $31 million. Yeah. And it made like $11 million or something. Ooh, man. So it made, hold on one second, because I have it here. It made $11 million. Why does it have such a specific number? Yeah, and it says the film ranked 15th on its opening weekend and earned 1.5 million. uh, From a total of 1,427 theaters, the film also ranked 7th among G-rated movies in 95. Total domestic gross reached that number that I said. Mm -hmm. Uh, While the film was the biggest box office disaster of the year, it was far more successful in terms of video sales. Mm. These strong video sales led to the release of two direct-to-video sequels, <laughs> Balto 2 Wolf Quest and Balto 3 Wings of Change, which doesn't even have its own wiki <laughs> entry. Balto 2 does have a link, a hyperlink here, but Balto 3, nah, no yeah. one cared. Um, it led to those two being created, though neither sequel received as strong reception as the original film. What is the sequel about? There's another <laughs> epidemic? Now it's just a stupid town that well, doesn't deserve <laughs> saving is how I think about it. It's like you guys should keep your antitoxin like stocked up. No, I have no um, idea what the no, sequels it's, are it's, about. I, it's about as, like they have a kid, oh, Balto no. and, and Jenna. But, but Scamp's Big Adventure. <laughs> the, real, <laughs> the real Balto was neutered. It's true. Okay. So he never had kids. So again, we're rewriting history here. <laughs> this is like how like with Pocahontas similarly had like a kind of a sad end for her character. You know, in I never real saw life. Pocahontas. Oh, in real life. But yeah. I'm just saying like the historical reality. Yeah. Which apparently this was uh this was a competitor to Pocahontas, right? Well yeah, weren't you saying that there was like it was like starting to become a thing where studios were making animated films about like based on true stories. And that was, Oh, that was in a thing that, um, I tried to type in Pocahontas and of course it brings up, (laughs) it brings up the actual Pocahontas. It doesn't bring up the, uh, (laughs) how far down do I have to scroll to get to the Disney movie here? (laughs) No, but that was in something that, um, my buddy Carrick had sent, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll bring up a few, a few things of here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Wait, wait, wait. Po, po, Pocahontas, <laughs> Pocahontas ninety five film. There's going to be quite a few things I have to cut out from this. So yeah, ninety five was when Pocahontas oh. came out. Um, but yeah, let me bring up what Carrick had sent because he. Yeah. So it was funny because I was having a conversation with my friend. My friend Carrick, who who had started listening to this, and he he uh, listened to a few episodes of the podcast, and then decided to send. It's actually really funny here. He said, um, <laughs> I, "I I wasn't even I didn't even bring up Balto." And he said, "When you get to Balto, there's a lot of backstory to that." <laughs> <laughs> like we were originally going to see Steel die and Balto was supposed to have a dream sequence done in the style of Inuit art. Also Amblin animation was also just going to do an adaptation of just so stories. Um, and I just said, Oh cool. Also you assume we're going to do Balto. eh?" <laughs> He's like, yeah, since you did wear back. 
So apparently it's that obvious. You know what's funny though? When we were talking about what movies to do, I only, I suggested Balto just because we were trying to think of a movie that had snow in it. Right. <laughs> and it just kind of worked out. Like we realized later, you know, like, of course we have to do we, the three Amblin films. We were going to, back when we were toying with like doing double when we did a few yeah we didn't toy with it we literally did it we did it we were doing two (laughs) movies our episodes were four hours long and it just it wasn't something we could keep doing but the double one here was going to be balto and help i'm a fish Mm -hmm. so f's in the chat for help i'm a fish um sorry that we we didn't get to that one yeah but this felt still more important to to cover ultimately makes more sense um we are, we are com- completing the Amblimation trilogy. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I want to bring up this uh, these links that Carrick had sent, which are uh, Balto's Dream, and can show you some of the uh, some of the artwork that had been done for it. Ooh. And this is on someone's um, this is on someone's blog called Animation Treasures. And we'll put a link to this. But for the designs below, um, oh, is this the actual person? It says Balto's Dream. It says, for the designs below, I got my inspiration from Inuit art. The art of the Alaskan natives. At one point during the pre-production of Balto, there were ideas of Balto having a dream. This chance to add a different style and a bit of art into the film was very exciting, but it was given up soon. Maybe I am the only one who would like to see something else than action and operetta. And you can see here, like, Ooh, a lot of the studies for the dream sequence. Cool. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me of the um, the opening for Watership Down a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Where it's all very, very stylistic and I would and put flat. any of this on my wall. Like, that's how much yeah. I like that. It's very pretty. Like Hold on. Let me, let me verify the name of, of this mm-hmm. artist. Oh, here we go. Uh, my name is Hans Bacher. Backer? B-A-C-H-E-R. It says, I work as production designer in the animation film industry. Uh, For the last 40 years, I lived and worked in Dusseldorf, London, Paris, Los Angeles, Manila, and Tokyo. Now I am professor for film design at the Nanyang University in Singapore. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll put a link to to this artist's blog. Oh, yeah, and it looks like he was production designer for Balto, I believe. I'm looking at... uh all filmography here. Yeah. Production designer for Balto, Mulan, and a short film called The Cold Heart. Um, and Carrick yeah. sent another link here. Ooh, he's a character designer on The Lion King and Hercules. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Uh, Carrick sent another link here for uh, a deleted scene for Steel's death, but I'll bring that up mm-hmm. when we talk a little more about Steel. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he said something fun here in his last message to me, which is uh, when you do the Balto review, a food for thought would be that Balto was probably put in production because of the hype of Pocahontas, which, as you know, was supposed uh, supposed to be Disney's big game changer and not Lion King. Uh, hmm. Notice how a lot of animation studios at the time started production on films that were historical fiction like Anastasia, Pocahontas, etc. Anastasia, a Don Bluth movie. Mm-hmm. It's probably why in the marketing of the movie, they kept saying it was based on a true story. And you had the dumb live action bookends. (laughs) Funny thing with the connection with Pocahontas. Originally, Mike Gabriel wanted Pocahontas to be set in winter. So there was a lot of concept art depicting North American winter landscapes similar to what Balto eventually did. Hmm. And that's really interesting that studios are like, oh, because you think they're... Oh, and I should say, Carrick is an assistant teacher 
at uh, the Little Fish comic book studio. Oh, um, but yeah, you'd think that if you're aiming, if your audience is like kids, do kids really care about historical fiction? Not really, but maybe you're trying to get their parents in. I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was behind these studios doing these historical things. Um, maybe overall there was like, there were a lot of films that were based on true stories around that time. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Forrest Gump had come out. It's not a true story, but there's a lot of like historical stuff in it. I, I do remember that it is, to me, it is significant that Balto does have this component about it. Cause that always fascinated me as a kid, the idea that it was, it was based on a thing that really happened. Mm-hmm. And I did feel like I learned a bit of history about it, albeit it was, you know, very embellished in many ways. <laughs> um, and the live action was dumb. <laughs> Agreed. It did not need to I, be there. I, I remembered the live action. I didn't. Um, and as we were watching it, I I, I totally forgot how meandering the beginning part is. Because yeah. all I remembered was the ending part. Mm. But but the beginning is so like, Grandma, where are we going? Oh, I don't. It's somewhere around here. This park is just... Oh, it's just so big. <laughs> like, get on with it. Get on with yeah, it. Yeah, it really... Honestly, they could have cut out the live action and then just at the end of Balto, they just could have done a little animation of the statue in Central Park. Just right. main there, that's all you needed. Hold on. I want to find out. I want to verify who at least the woman is. Okay. <laughs> Miriam... Margaret? Wait, it's, it's loading. I can't see the rest of her name. <laughs> Miriam Margoyles, uh, a veteran of stage and screen. What filmography here? Come on. Balto. Oh, she was the nurse in Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. Okay. <laughs> I have seen that. I don't remember her. <laughs> no, but, but like, <laughs> for some reason, my mind can like remember that. Remember what she what she looked like in that movie. Oh my God, she's been in like 178 things. Hmm. So she's what would it? What would the term be? Character, character actor. actor I think. Yeah, seems like she has a very character actor uh, profile. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of titles that I don't have. But let me see if I can pull up one other fun one here. <laughs> do 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 do. Okay, she was. Oh. Your face right now. Oh, <laughs> what, what okay. Did you discover? <laughs> She's Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter's move in Harry Potter's movie. <laughs> and, you know the movie with all the Harry Potters. <laughs> Wait, let me let me look at this list because you're reading things that I haven't no, seen. No, I'm trying to see. So like early okay. man. No, no, go go to this. Go to all filmography. No, it's like 180 film, 178 films yeah, yeah. here. Oh so my let's go. god! I just want to find Soundtrack. one that I have seen. Okay, no, no. Call no. the midwife. Oh, she was in. Oh, there wasn't. There was. A TV series? Yeah, the 101 Dalmatians TV series. 101 Dalmatian Street? What? Why? I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the little vampire. Oh, my God. No, but yeah, this is this is like a total character actor yeah. filmography here. Oh, my God, though. What? Okay, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. She was, she was Sophie in Cats and Dogs. Oh, uh, speaking of cats and dogs. Really <laughs> relevant. <laughs> we'll talk about Balto one day. Don't worry. She, yeah, she... Wait, she was in, f- in Babe. This- she was the voice of Fly. Oh, that was that um one of those border collies. Oh my she's god. She's one of the border collies. Oh, she's Aunt Sponge and the Glowworm in James and the Giant Peach. 
That's who I okay. She's one of the ants. Oh, do, do you remember? Okay. Not really. <laughs> did you ever see the I saw it. The Henry Selleck, James and the Giant Peach movie. Henry Selleck, director of Nightmare yeah, Before yeah. Christmas. No, I, I saw it when it came out. I was like, I, I was trying to think. Oh, M- Maiden from Mombasa in the original version of The Thief and the Cobbler. Oh. It's another R- Richard Williams thing. Um, oh my goodness. Sorry, we're just I, like, we're yeah, focusing on the live action <laughs> book ending device of this. She's in Black Adder 2, Lady anyway. White Adder. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff, but, but, regardless, the, the live action should have been cut. But did you, <laughs> did you know who, but do you know, you know who, who Professor Sprout was, right? In, no, I only saw. I've only seen three Harry Potter movies, two and a half Harry Potter movies. I saw I saw the first one all the way through. I hated the second one, so I think I fast forwarded it, and then I saw the third one with you in the theater. That's the good one, right? the The Prisoner of Azkaban is, in my opinion, the the best of all of the movies, um, and that is because. Alfonso Cuaron was the director for that one. It was the one he came in to do after Columbus had done the first two. Christopher Columbus, literally. Yeah, literally. Speaking of historical that's, problematic. That's not the same uh, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> which, you know, Christopher Columbus, who was also in The Magic Voyage. Who also. Who, was in, who had Phil Nibbling involved in. And who also directed Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin was on the Perkins. <laughs> It's all connected. No, but, which was about cats, and we just talked about Cats the movie, which was owned by Amblimation. But, <laughs> but my point is, you had Alfonso Cuaron, the director of Itumama Tambien, and the, who would be the director of Children of Men after doing Prisoner of Azkaban and Gravity and Roma, like basically one of the greatest film directors of our time, just stepped in to do a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. And, Three isn't perfect, but it it feels so much more like a film to me than the yeah. first two, and even all the ones that have followed. But mm. um, so why was I on the? Oh, right, because oh, of, because of the live action bookends. <laughs> um, anyway, because of Miriam Mar Margolis. Look, we're Margol- kind of yes. we're kind of all over the place. Are we done talking about the live action? No, the little girl was really bad too. <laughs> the dog I, was fine. I can't find the girl's name, but I sorry, but I I wonder who she was because it was I don't know. Kid actors are so hit yeah. and miss sometimes. Well, it's just weird that they felt they needed that live action book. Wait, what other movie did We're Back have a live action component, or does it just no. feel so bad that it would have? <laughs> it feels like it should have. <laughs> Wait, what um, other but- movie? Had a live action, had like live action in it. Troll in Central Park? No. Oh, you're thinking Rockadoodle? Oh, I am thinking of Rockadoodle, which also, yeah. The live but action the, was also but, cringy. But the thing with Rockadoodle is... Well, they tried to incorporate it into the plot. Right. So I understand, yeah. And it was this, still bad. I think, yeah, the live action is just to like give the sense of the historicalness of it. And they wanted to show the actual Balto Memorial statue at the end. But again, the ending for me is fine. Because yeah. it doesn't last too long. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, but the thing is, if you can cut the live action out of the movie and the movie is still fine, then you never needed the live action. Whereas Rockadoodle, if you cut the live action out, you're like missing parts of the movie. I wonder how it would play if you just had the ending live action thing. Or it if would be, be weird. No, like jarring. I'm saying, they could have just animated it. Or they could have had a little, they could have had like one little thing at the beginning of her like, Let's go to the park. I there's something I'd like to show you, and it's like I, I don't what know. Is it about? I don't 
don't think you even need to know My that there's a statue Frodo, there. <laughs> let me tell you about the time I fought with Smaug and all of the other. Uh, so anyway, I agree oh, though. You, you know could what have could completely have removed it. You could have had like just the the movie itself, and then at the end you have animation of the statue in Central Park, and two little like husky puppies run up, and they're like, "Hey, look! It's our <laughs> great 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 grandfather Balto. Did you hear the story?" <laughs> They should have done it with puppies. Sorry, I, we've spent way too long on the live action thing, but it, it is it is just so like eye rolly at the beginning of yeah. the movie, and it you can you can skip it. But yeah. once it actually gets into the movie proper, it's actually kind of a fun, as you're saying, underrated film. Yeah, it's um, really good. And okay, can we we've been all over the place with this episode. Yes. But so I just feel like I need to bring up why are the animals so attractive? Go. <laughs> no, because you're an artist. So I'm like, okay, because we've <laughs> oh, talked you're asking, about like why do they come off as <laughs> yeah, yeah, attractive? Because we talked like when we talked about Secret of Nim, for example, like Justin the, the the rat is like really attractive. And why is that? And like why is Jenner like this kind of like evil hot, you know? And and we have the same thing going on here where first of all, Jenna is like beautiful. Balto is like hot in like an underdog, like that was a pun, sort of way. And then like Steel is hot in like a like he's evil and Bad. but you he's like the bad boy bad boy dog kind of hot and i'm really and it was like and those dogs were just like i fucking each other the whole movie (laughs) and so it was very uncomfortable for me um but i was trying to figure out just from from my non-artist perspective like why they are like why they come across as that and i just noticed that like okay jenna's very curvy like her design is very like round and curvy kind of. Yes. And her, her like muzzle is smaller. She's just like, she has dainty paws and a dainty muzzle. And they all have like eyes that are very, you know, like all these animated characters have like human ish eyes. Yeah. I was going to say, even if you look at this poster of Balto, the eyes are given a lot of care. Mm -hmm. They almost look like human eyes. Almost. Yeah. That's a trick. Uh, I think Glenn Keane said for Beast in Beauty and the Beast, where it's like everything about Beast is an animal of, of some kind, except the eyes are the eyes of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind yeah. of a an easy way to sort of make something feel a little more yeah. human. And Balto and Steel have very like strong jawlines. I was gonna say it's it, it's more that they just have confident designs. Yeah, I think if I were to try and pinpoint what it is that that is at the source of of that but i i I, yeah i i couldn't tell you i mean it's just well like looking at these screenshots on the back here um it's the yeah it's something it is definitely like a big part of it is the eyes but also yeah like the male dogs are very angular and like muscular and strong and the girl dog is very curvy and she has like a big chest like not boobs you know but it's like kind right. of reminiscent of like just a large chest it and it's really implies weird it. it's really strange to think that there was somebody who designed these characters who was like we're going to make this dog really hot you know <laughs> also i don't know if dogs can actually look directly forward in the way that um that they're drawn here like i think the real animal dog has a problem with doing that (laughs) okay future dax here i need to clarify that because it sounds ridiculous listening back um what i meant was that dogs have eyes more on the sides of their heads not directly on the front of their heads like a human 
does. Although some do have more flat faces, but in general, it's it's not quite the same as a human. Anyway, you get what I was mean. I wasn't trying to say dogs can't look directly forward. That's stupid. Anyway, back to the episode. So I think you're just taking artistic liberties as an animator. Like it's it's not a um. There's no formula I can give you. It's really just like being a good artist and knowing yeah. how to make something feel. And this is why if you try and do this in CG or if you're trying to make it like too close to live action, like what the recent Lion King movie tried to yeah. do, it's like... You can't find the animals hot anymore because they're too what? real. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're taking away the artistic liberty of of putting a humanization onto yeah. an animal. Which is what this movie is doing. Yeah. And I'm not a furry. I just want to say that. But I've always found it fascinating when I look at animal. Like, because I think a lot of furries do say that, like, oh, you know, Robin Hood was the movie where they, like, realized they were a furry, you know? Right. Or, like, I think movies like these. It's a shame we'll never talk about Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just interesting to me how these designs happen. And even, like, you know, with, like, the Lion King, like, you know, a, you know, like, young adult Simba is, like, really attractive, and it's weird. And... Does, does it also look... It looks a little like they looked at Kevin Bacon, doesn't it? Well, like, maybe. a little bit for his face. I feel like there's just something I'm seeing in his face. I can't quite maybe. tell you. <laughs> I'm going to bring up a picture of Kevin Bacon and compare it to this dog, but... So, the cast, again... Okay, so Kevin Bacon as Balto. Come on, let's go, Boris. We can cut around the back and catch the end of the race. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a delicate country bird. I hate going into town. Oh, come on, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Bob Hoskins as Boris Gusinoff, who I thought I was going to hate when he first yeah. came up. I, like this character that was so frustrating like it seemed like oh no this is the comedy relief character and he is but do you he... know who he reminds me of who does he remind you of kihar from watership down <laughs> a li- i mean just because they both have an he accent i mean obviously uh you know boris is more talkative and has actual like he's, right he's more like lines he, and stuff a but... russian snow goose yeah. and balto's caretaker and sidekick Christoph Sarand served as the supervising animator for Balt, for for Boris. Oh, this is cool here. It says uh, Jeffrey James Vareb and Dick Zondag served as supervising animators for Balto. Do do hmm. maybe younger Kevin yeah, Bacon? Yeah, I was looking for young Kevin Bacon. I mean, I just need to look up young Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, young. <laughs> I feel weird searching for these. Oh my God! Wow, that's like so eighties. Yeah, I can see that. If you look at a young Kevin Bacon and Balto side by side, there's a little, just a smidge. Yeah, look, compare those two. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the got the bacon <laughs> eyes. <laughs> um, but but Bob Bob Hoskins, who, as we all know, was Mario in the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie, which we have out here. Yes, I own it. <laughs> he co-starred with John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper. This is one of those movies that I love for what it could have been. You know, <laughs> I watch it and I'm like, this is bad, but I'm imagining a better version of this movie. <laughs> what year did this come out? I can't even find the, find the date on oh, it. Oh, is it not on there? Name. Mario. Last name. Mario. Okay. What's your name? Luigi. Luigi, Luigi. No, Luigi Mario. 
How many Mario's are there between the two of you? There's three. There's, there's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. This apparently, Bob Hoskins later admitted to being totally wasted most yeah. of the time mm-hmm. that he were made. Actually, this is totally unrelated, but... Oh, 93 it came out. So. 93, so two years prior. Uh, there is a lovely documentary... Yes. On YouTube, that a YouTuber named the Video Game Historian did on this entire movie, he he tells you the history of how it was made, and it's a far more interesting story than the movie itself. Yeah, I can't remember if I watched that or if I read a really long thing about the movie, but I think yeah, I the, sent it to you one time. You may have, yeah, but but it, it's, it's fascinating. If you have any interest in the live action Super <laughs> Mario Brothers movie, As you, it's. Look, it says it's a blast. The Washington Post. It doesn't say who at the yeah. Washington Post. And it doesn't say they were even talking about this movie. Somebody somewhere said it's a blast while they were at the Washington Post. And they're like, well, we're assume, we're going to assume they're talking about this movie. <laughs> this ain't no game. It's a live action thrill ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Bob Hoskins also, I think I remember he comes up in Brazil as a character. Mm. Terry Gilliam's Brazil. And they're... I'm trying to remember who he, I think he's like a mechanic that mm-hmm. shows up at one point. Um, but the role that I will forever associate Bob Hoskins with is Eddie Valiant. Yeah. Classic. That Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. So who, where he plays the, cause, cause the thing about his role in that movie is that he is enough of a, he has this gravitas that where you can take him seriously, but there is something just a little cartoonish and comedic about mm-hmm. him. And and so that's why he played that role so well, is because he he was able to feel you took you took the weight of what he's gone through seriously in that movie. Like when you find out, yeah, his partner was murdered by a tune, like and he has this drinking problem, which is his arc throughout that movie. Um well, just like oh, being able to act opposite a, a, an animated character so yeah. well. He carries a film having, I mean, I feel like the same is done now with green screen and mm-hmm. everything, but it's very hard to act against something that isn't there. And you see when it doesn't work in something like, say, I don't know, the Star Wars prequels, mm. where a lot of characters, a lot of the actual physical actors don't always feel connected with CG elements it's because they didn't know what they were looking at. Yeah. It's hard to do. And so the fact that in all of Who from Roger Rabbit, you know, they had maybe like a rubber rabbit that they were like putting in front of him or something, but he was able to act as though this character was there. Yeah. Um, there's actually a funny thing that Richard Williams did at one point in that movie where apparently Bob Hoskins' eyeline was off for a shot um, for one part of a scene. Because he was looking too high up at a wall where Roger what would be, and so in the animation, uh, they made him stretch up higher (laughs) because he was scared, just so that he they Roger would match the eye line that Bob Hoskins had given in that take. That's amazing. And then he stretched back down after he looked away. I was like, that's such a clever animator workaround for for a shot error. yeah, but, of course, like, yeah, Bob Hoskins and the animators together, you know, making that seem like they're in the same room. It's it's credit to all, you know, everyone involved. It's so good. But the reason I, I bring up all this about Bob Hoskins is that I think that this this Russian goose character that he was playing, he 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 gave it this kind of a weight 
and believability in how um, he is this friend to Balto. And yeah. y- y- you do buy that he cares a lot about him. And he has some funny lines, too, where it's like, what, we go off? What was it? Um, so, let's go get the medicine. Wait a minute. Now you're coming? Spending days in bitter cold, facing wild animals, risking death from exposure. <laughs> it's like holiday in old country. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like vacation in home country, you know? It's like it's such a cute little yeah, was good. little quip about <laughs> about his uh <laughs> about his life, you know. So I appreciated how that character progressed yeah. throughout this movie and I thought I wasn't going to like it at first. Yeah, cuz he wasn't just comic relief. He actually gives Balto he gives him basically what he needs to to have the strength and the courage to do, you know, he tells him like He's always because Balto has this thing where he doesn't feel like he belongs with dogs or wolves. And the and mm. the goose is just keeps trying to tell him, like, hey, you're like the best of both of these, you know, which is. Yeah. And even says at one point, like, maybe a dog couldn't do this, mm-hmm. but a wolf. Let me tell you something, Balto. A dog cannot make this journey alone. But maybe a wolf can. Oh, there's there's a line I really like that I wrote down um, that I think I think the goose at Boris says, yeah. not a dog, not a wolf. All he knows is what he is not. Yeah. Which to me. So I'm like mixed and I've always felt kind of a little bit like that in that way. It's like you feel like you don't belong with any group, but it's like it's no, it's true. It's like you belong in every group like you're you're everything, yeah. you know, and it's like that line really stuck with me. So I wrote it down. But also for the record. Dogs are wolves. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I just want to clarify this. Dogs came from wolves. <laughs> like, well, it's funny because there's the moment where the only the wolves howl. And so, Bal- but it's like, no, dogs howl like, too. Yeah. Like they're making <laughs> they fun do. of Balto, like Steel and his cronies are, are like, yeah, making yeah. fun of him howling. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> You don't? Like, I, I work at an animal shelter, and every time a, a fire engine goes by with their sirens on, all the dogs start howling. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look at, like, Lady and the Tramp, yeah, where yeah. That's, that's the whole, like, oh, 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 like they're singing and howls or things like that. Like, it's, it is strange that that's the thing they pick out. Yeah. It's very pot calling the kettle. And I'm, the I'm. Kennel? <laughs> pot calling the kennel. Hot calling um, the kennel black. I, uh, but I am surprised though, in a in a town where they seem to all just let their dogs roam around outside, that there aren't more half dog, half wolves. Because wolves and dogs can right. and do mate. Dogs and coyotes can mate. Like that ha- does happen. And why aren't there? You know, you think that'd be more common? But I wonder if their animals run around. I wonder if there's like an interaction that. Yeah, what is that like when a, a domesticated dog meets like a wild wolf? Is like yeah. does the wolf try and attack it for being uh, docile? <laughs> like, uh, but I will acknowledge, like, yeah, dogs are a step removed from wolves. Oh we've, yeah, we've well, cha- if you look at a Shiba Inu <laughs> or a Chihuahua, I think we've done a few well, things. If you look at that dog, I don't know what his name was, but I just called him the radar dog. He's like the dog of the guy who's like sending the messages. Oh. <laughs> the dog who's like the Morse, ears or Morse code. Yeah, the Morse code dog or whatever. Or, or what it, he or, looks like. I don't know what he was if he was like a bulldog or something. Like he totally does not look like a wolf. Right. <laughs> it, well, and that's always. Do you want to talk about like natural selection? 
I don't know what could be more proof of the concept that life changes over time due to natural variation more so than looking at dogs at what we've done to dog species. Well, but that's not natural. We did that. Right. But I'm saying it's like a forced. Yeah. Fast tracked version of what evolution in premise is. You know well, what I mean? Well, it's evolution, but without the survival of the fittest because we're taking dogs who. Right. It's like, because I recently I saw a bulldog that was like, oh my God, you could tell it was super inbred, like just mm. folds of skin, like the smushed face animals because right. they, you know, they take it like, oh, this animal has the most smushed face and this animal has the most smushed face. Let's breed them together to get a really smushed really face smushed dog. Face. So it's like survival the of the fittest without the fittest part. Right. The traits are not beneficial in any no. way other than an aesthetic one that humans that are breeding them want to see. For it's, an arbitrary reason. Yeah. So that's what the survival reasoning is but the fact that the traits cause the change like you know what i mean yeah. like the way that those traits build up into a different looking animal at a certain point like you put a poodle next to a wolf is a very big step yeah. from one to the other but then you look at some dogs that are still very close to yeah, like siberian huskies for example which are domestic dogs huskies or alaskan malamutes those all look like i've seen a lot of huskies recently because they're just a lot of like huskies that end up in shelters these maybe because they're very high energy dogs but uh they look like wolves they have the piercing blue eyes they just look like wolves and i'm sure they're smaller than wolves but uh yeah they're still there like but then yeah you've got such a range with dogs that you don't have with cats i mean there's some weird looking cats out there that we've bred but like not to the extent of like tiny chihuahua to giant great dane you don't have that with cats because cats didn't let us do that they're like no we're, we're good as we are. <laughs> are. What are they called? Sphinx? Sphinx cats, Sphinx yeah. Sphinx cats. Is Those that are, a thing we... Uh, yeah, we made that. We made Canadians that. made that, made, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an Egyptian... No, no. It was in Canada relatively recently. <laughs> so we can blame Canada, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so, but back to but, cats i'm but sorry back to, back to cats. no back to balto the, but regardless of it being a fabrication the whole like half wolf thing for the real balto but in this movie it is a relatable thing yeah. as you've said for you and but i also feel like even if you maybe aren't i guess like a mixed race person that maybe like there's one race there's the human race right right but like if you aren't mixed in some way between two backgrounds or three or four or five or 10, it, it there is still a feeling of like, I think anybody can yeah, relate to not that. fitting in with the popular kids because yeah. you feel kind of torn also between groups of people or whatever. And you're just different and you don't, you know, you're just different. <laughs> What's that from is a fantastic Mr. Fox, oh. which, is, which is actually a good segue to something I want to bring <gasps> up, which is the scene where Balto um, sees the wolf. Mm -hmm. I would say it's reminiscent of, but the inverse is true because mm -hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox came later, the Wes Anderson movie, um, with the stop motion film based on the Roald Dahl story. It's a great movie, by the way, if you've never yeah, it seen is. it. It's yeah. one of my favorite Wes Anderson films mm -hmm. next to uh, Grand Budapest. Um, and I, I still have like a soft spot for Life Aquatic. I Life Aquatic's is. my like one of my favorites. I get that. Yeah, it's it's a it's such a funny movie, which I didn't fully appreciate Life Aquatic when I first saw it. Um, but then I took 
then I took a, a documentary class. Oh, it was in college uh-huh. where we watched a bunch of Cousteau and, oh, and nice. like all these like uh, Nanook of the North, like uh-huh. old, you know, in quotes documentaries. Yeah, um, but and then it was like, oh, I get it. I totally yeah. get what they're making fun of. <laughs> and I think I was also maybe under the influence of something when I was watching it. And so it just made it. I was like, I get it now. I get why this movie's leeches. funny. I just love Le- the leeches. Yeah, that's the best, the best scene in the entire movie. <laughs> what? I'm the only one? <laughs> it's so good. So, but, but in Fantastic Mr. Fox, there's a moment where the movie stops, basically, for this scene, where the, they're driving uh, Fox and crew and he sees a wolf off to the side mm. you know do you remember this i don't scene? remember it's been a long time there, since i saw but, it, but there's like a wolf off to the side and he, he like stops and he points at it and he says he says like the the latin the technical name mm. for the wolf where do you come from where do you come from what are you doing here canis lupus vulpus vulpus I don't think he speaks English or Latin. I'm asking if he thinks we're in for a hard winter. He doesn't seem to know. I have a phobia of wolves. What a beautiful creature. Wish him luck, boys. Good luck. Good luck out there. And what's interesting to me about that scene, I might have just bumped my mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what's interesting to me about it is it's kind of this moment where he he kind of ponders their origins or like cuz how are foxes related to wolves? Like, how does that... Are, uh, is there is there's a connect there, right? Yeah, it's... Well, they're all from, like, the dog family. Right. But I'm going to look it up so, while you're talking, so, but... But it, it's kind of like... It's a moment of them looking to the the wilderness and their, their more wild uh, relatives. <laughs> and for some reason, that scene reminds me of this scene in Balto, where it's kind of like you have this cartoony canine character yeah thinking for a moment on where they've come from Mm -hmm. on on their wild side um and there's a cute moment where like he he fist bumps in the air and you see the wolf off in the distance who's on all fours go like with (laughs) with one paw like fist bumps in the air um but that's the silly version of this and and again it's why i like that scene of, of him confronting the wolf within him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking up foxes. Uh, yeah, they're from the family Canada. Canada. Canadae. Uh, yeah, uh, but I don't know where they are. Suborder Caniformia. Order uh, Carnivo- Carnivora. Yeah, it's just I think Canif- Caniformia. Can- Canadae. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where they are, but they're all these different different types of 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 dags of dags yeah <laughs> then there's isle of dogs no oh no, no, no. let's we're not talking, we're not talking about, about that. isle dog <laughs> <laughs> um bridget fonda is the voice of jenna female copper and white siberian husky and rosie's pet 
as well as Balto's love interest. It's funny because at first we were like, is Rosie like does Rosie own Jenna? Or we were yeah, like, because she was uh, Jenna was outside. They just seemed to let her run around. Yeah, in the snow. Which maybe fair enough. I guess you'd trust the dog to come back to you, but like and that's how you get wolf dog hybrids, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so also, you know what's funny? I'm pretty sure I didn't look this up to to be completely sure, but I think hybrids like wolves and dogs or like ligers are one of them. I think they're actually usually sterile. Oh, okay. So Balto wouldn't have been able to like to like you know. Get, like I don't know what to say. I don't know how to word it. <laughs> uh, he wouldn't have been able to father children. Balto two would not have existed. Is what I'm saying. Looking up Bridget Fonda, she is known for her roles in The Godfather Part Three, Single White Female, Singles, Point of No Return, It Could Happen to You, and Jackie Brown. That's right, oh. she was in Jackie Brown. I forgot about that. Um, I should like. I mean, I feel like Bridget Fonda is one of those actresses where you're like, yeah. She's in movies. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know what role I would uh-huh. point to yeah. as being my favorite that she's ever done. Uh, but she was really good in this. She had a good, you know, good voice. But she played. Yeah, she's Melanie in in. You've seen Jackie Brown, right? Yeah, yeah. That's actually my favorite Tarantino movie. Oh, okay. Like I think it's it's very, underrated. It's, it's not my in, favorite, but it's really good. It's incredibly underrated mm-hmm. because it's it's. I think it's more mature than almost any other film he ever made. I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember the name of the hateful eight. And I was trying to explain it to someone the other day. And I was like, you know, it's that movie where it's like really long and there's an intermission and they're all in a cabin and it's snowing. <laughs> That's all I could come you up with. You couldn't remember the name of hateful. <laughs> no, eight. I remembered it later, but <laughs> that's great. We went and saw hateful. Eight, I know remember. the roadshow version. She was Linda in army of darkness. Okay. Which is an uncredited cameo. That's so funny. Huh. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I thought she she did a nice job, too. Yeah. And uh, I, it was a believable chemistry. Yes. Which is important. I That's a hard thing to say. Because, like, people, I think they'll say, like, oh, the relationship isn't written well. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that's half of it sometimes. Yeah. But I think a lot of it depends on if the actor's also feel believable oh yeah having a chemistry for a romantic subplot to come into effect it's so gloomy down here not that i'm scared or anything (gasps) gloomy you kidding it's the most beautiful spot in the world dogs travel for years just to be right here here i can't see why that's because you're looking at the bowl half empty See this? It's the polar ice caps. Balto, those are broken bottles. And they're not half empty. They're all empty. The sun. (sighs) Balto. And to the north? (gasps) The northern lights. Oh. Oh, Balto, you're right. It's beautiful. What's your favorite Kevin Bacon role? Footloose? I guess I don't have a... Yeah. I can't... I can't... Um, I can't think... Again, Kevin Bacon's also one of those ones. Tremors! Like, tremors! Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, again, somebody who's been... 
Apollo in, 13 he was in. Uh, same year as Balto. He did Apollo 13. Or at least the same. It came out the same year. Yeah, I, I, I guess those are roles that I would say are, are great. Oh, he but, was in My Dog Skip. Another dog movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that Footloose. One? <laughs> and we're just reading their filmographies. Yeah. Um, it's funny because amongst amongst these actors who are like big name actors, it, we, we have like some other kinds of actors. Well, it's curious because Jim Cummings yeah. is Steel. Mm-hmm. And Jim Cummings... <laughs> He's a big name in the animation he's, world. He's a huge name in the animation world. He's one of the most well-known voice actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he He's most known, I think, for being Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Tigger yeah. Those are the two mm-hmm. that he's done for a long time. Um, and, and he's really good in this. Like, he's great as Steel. Ladies. <laughs> Hi there, Jenna. Enjoy the yeah, race. Yeah, almost as much as you did. Thanks. Jenna, let's go celebrate. I know where all the bones are buried. I don't know, Steel. Suddenly I've lost my appetite. Oh. Well, maybe your taste runs more toward wolf. Jenna, come on, girl. We're going back home. Sorry, Steel. My girl is calling me. But it's also funny because it's a voice you... I'm trying to think of other roles that he's done because I feel like there are some TV shows where he's had a similar voice that he did mm. for Steel. Um, oh, I see. He's the Tasmanian Devil. Oh, that's cool, too. Um, but he has this kind of dark voice mm-hmm. for this character that is so funny when you consider that he's so good at being this very innocent yeah. character uh-huh. to two different kinds of innocent characters. And it almost feels wrong to hear him being so despicable and evil you know who it feels like (laughs) should have had this role tim curry it feels like a tim curry role i mean no jim jim cummings is great though but it feels like they would you know tim tim curry would have been the obvious choice i guess so um or maybe it's just because we saw pebble and the penguin so recently and i was thinking of that (laughs) but actually though i i was thinking i was actually thinking tony jay would have been a good voice. Who was that? For, um, Tony J did a lot of villain roles. Mm. He was Frollo in Hunchback of Notre Dame. He was Megabyte in Reboot. He mm-hmm. uh, he was Shere Khan in Tailspin. Okay. In the, the TV series, but he always had this um, just very deep, resonant kind of evil mm. voice. He was also Virgil in Mighty Max. <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> yet another reason for me to bring up mighty max who's a good character in that but but he he um i yeah I, but anyway that was who i at first thought of would be would be like a good character for this but <laughs> well first of or all, a voice yeah. actor for this but but uh, yeah jim cummings does like a good job as, yeah as, i i'm just looking up jim cummings uh filmography and, and i'm not gonna say what but we are gonna talk about him coming up in a future episode. Probably. But I was looking at his filmography and look at this one. Look at him for the Iron Giant. Kent Mansley's screaming voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Oh, he's also the singing voice for um, Odd. Oh, is that what you were going to bring up? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ras- Rasputin. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, all right. Yeah. No, no, no. We'll say bring it, now. it up it's now. It's fine. Because <laughs> Christopher Lloyd is the voice of Rasputin mm-hmm. talking, but Jim Cummings is... The one singing in the dark of the night is that? Mm, I can't remember I the think, song. We'll, I we'll think find that's out, the yeah. song, but 
Um, it's also, funny that he's sometimes been a voice for like people's different, th- you know, he's the singing voice or the screaming voice. <laughs> right. He'll be an alternate. <laughs> he's bullet funny. number two in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Whoa. Yeah, which oh I my think God. is the gun that yeah. Eddie Valiant fired. That uh-huh. And they fires. talk. Oh, that's hilarious. Which way did he go? Or, I don't know which one it is, but uh, <laughs> General Muoto in Castle in the Sky. I got to bring up a Ghibli thing every yeah. time somehow. Yeah, you do. So, um, and in, wait. What? <laughs> oh, I because I saw Geppetto for Pinocchio. Oh, and was but it said ninety two. It's like wait a minute. Is it the live action one with it with was, Drew Carey? No, that was later. <laughs> there was a that was Geppetto. I think was oh, the Drew Carey one, right? But the this was a forty nine minute animated film directed video. Anyway, getting off track, but I think he does a great job of Steel. However. Yeah. This is my hot take with Steel. Mm. Steel shouldn't be in this movie. What? I don't think so. I but think then you don't have a villain. Well, you except don't for Diphtheria. Need a villain <laughs> in a movie with Diphtheria? Like this is my problem with it is mm. that writing okay. wise, he feels shoved in here because it just because of the typical like, well, you can't have an animated film without a villain in it mm. mentality of the time where they're probably looking at Disney movies and everything that always had a villain, but. This is one where it's, it's you know, because what is it? It's man versus man, man versus nature, man versus yeah. God, what, but, you know, man versus himself or human, however you want to yeah. say it. Um, I guess you've already got diphtheria, you've got the ticking clock, you've got, you've got the snowstorm. Exactly. Um, you don't, you already have a big enough problem but, at stake with with circumstance that you don't need a villain, but you need a competitor for Jenna. Right. That's what I'm saying on a, on a script writing, have to make this animated film in the way that other animated films are made level. It, I get why it's there, but I think if you approached it now, you could probably write this whole story in a way that has no villain and is just a matter of having to, get the serum through because that's a big enough problem yeah um, yeah you're you're right i i wouldn't take steel out of this version of this movie i or, guess not but because i also i i really like steel i thought he was a really fun character so you know because he loves being evil yes yes and yeah. i love his design too and it's so funny because he looks really evil and he has this like deep voice but then it's funny when his human comes up he's like ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> I, that was a scene I remembered is when he frames Balto oh, with yeah. the meat, mm-hmm. the meat chain. And then they're like, you you can eat this. I, it always pissed me off as a kid. Cause like that shyster. Yeah. <laughs> Balto was not guilty. Also, this- he's like, Hey Jenna, want to eat my meat? <laughs> It's, there's so there's many, a like, lot of sexuality yeah. in this movie between the dogs. There's a lot of like sexual tension, and at and the very end, she uses her her feminine guile to uh, burn his ass, to burn his balls off. Uh, <laughs> where she she, I, how do you feel about a scene like that? Where it's like it's fun, <laughs> but is it funny or is it saying like? Oh, is her one ability is to try and sexually trick. Well, it, it would be if that was the only thing she did in the movie, but she does save Balta from a bear. <laughs> so, you know, I think she, they, when, when it, when the movie turns into the revenant yeah. for one scene, I do think like, for, for a movie be, that's in the nineties, I feel like they actually did give her, they tried to give her some more character. I mean, she didn't end up going with Balto. I think, 
I was because I couldn't remember this film. I was thinking maybe she goes with Balto and she together they bring back the medicine, but she hurts her paw and then she's like, oh, I can't go on. But here, take my bandana. Oh, you know who Jim Cummings also is? He's Pete. Oh, so he's Pete, uh-huh. like in in a goofy movie and mm. uh, and in just a bunch of different iterations of the character. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he was Pete in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh. Actually, look that up. But, um, oh, no, I think it was someone else, but I can't remember who. Even though we just did that episode a month ago. No, because, yeah, <laughs> his his credits start. Okay, never mind. Um, but well, how old? So when was he born? So I guess Jim Cummings wasn't really active till 84. But he was born in 52. Mm. But he wasn't really an active voice. Okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, I guess that was too early for him. Anyway, but, uh, but Jenna is... Why are we? Ta- well, no, we're talking about steel. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, we could be. We could be done with steel. Do you want to talk about the comic relief polar well, bears I, yet? Or before we leave steel, uh-huh. I would like us to take a look at um, the deleted scene, Ooh. which was Steel's death. <gasps> so in this movie, what happens is that Steel has his like. I, I guess he the, there's the, who are the other two the girl dogs besides Jenna? Oh, they're I don't know if they have names they probably do but i don't remember them but, but it's like you got the hound and then you got the like the chihuahua or whatever the, she is they're fawning over uh-huh. steel the whole time and uh but then at the end i guess it's more of just that steel's just they realize he's a shyster yeah well but, everyone realizes that he wanted just the glory for himself and he was willing to put little rosie at risk but i want to bring this up the scene that that Kara gets in here actually I want us to just watch this and then we can talk about it Anyway, uh, so yeah, we just took a look at this whole scene, mm-hmm. uh, and it's Steel. I, what he's what happy? Basically, like there's some collar that he doesn't want to oh, give up. The golden collar, which I'm imagining this is towards the end of the film when they've already come back, and like maybe the golden collar is like the reward that the dog gets for bringing the medicine or something. I guess so, but he's like, I, I. They're telling him to give it up, and he's like. No, it's mine. And Balto's like, oh, he let him keep it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even want it. And then... They fight, probably, I guess? Well, it's like... It's, it's hard to tell from the storyboards, honestly. Deal, but when I looked it up, and uh, the the video is on a, a, a YouTube channel called Balto Girl 98. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they, they uploaded... It said there was a comment on it saying that they were still finding new storyboards. And this was like actually a month or two ago that said that they were going to do a new cut of the video soon. That I guess so it wasn't necessarily every storyboard. Do you think Balto Girl 98 was born in 1998 (laughs) and she just like, do you think? Well, because it's funny because after that we did watch this little like promotional thing where they were trying to sell like, okay, this film did do better and that vid- on home video. Right. The video. And then we, we also watched another one on this channel, which was showing a, a yeah. promotional advertisement. But yeah, it was more like it to felt sell it. To, they're like, you get these little displays and this for stores. Yeah. It felt like it was to sell it to, to 
for different oh. venues. And, and, and it also brought up how it's like, we're trying to integrate it into curriculum. Yeah, and that was really interesting. And when it was funny, too, because it's like, Balta's made almost $10 million. Like, that's basically like, what they would make, you right. know? So they're, but they're like, hey, guys, we made $10 million. <laughs> don't ask about our budget. Don't ask it, Just how teach much this it in your schools. Yeah, they're like, really, you can almost sense a little bit of the desperation of like, okay, we want this to have a life past theaters because it didn't do well. And like, you can have it in your schools. You can sell it in your stores. You have this display. <laughs> it comes in family friendly clamshell VHS cases. Yeah. Yeah, VHS should, is 1998. We forgot to mention that. Yeah. This VHS case is a la the old Disney cases in a, in a big old chunky clamshell, chunky, 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 <laughs> uh, earth killing clamshell. But, Shell? Shell. <laughs> the, but anywho, uh, Steele's death, he, he's backing up and then his call, the caller gets caught on a lever that pulls open <laughs> secret compartment, a trap door. <laughs> Was it a coal thing? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it may. Lo- it, I feel like, yeah, it may have been more clear. If they actually had put this in here, they might have established what it was at some point. But if, yeah, it, feel, it felt like it was a thing where maybe like... So, like coals were falling at some point. It's hard because he doesn't actually show exactly the moment where he dies, but mm-hmm. he's suspended over an open pit. And, uh, and then I guess he kind of must've slipped out of the collar. Cause that's all that's left hanging uh-huh. on the lever is his collar. But, uh, all the other dogs just look horrified <laughs> at his death. But yeah, I think I'm glad they didn't have him die. Cause honestly, I thought he would have died in the part where he fell off the cliff or whatever. Or didn't he fall off a cliff? Somewhere? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, he might've died then. Um, he joins the ranks of <laughs> all the villains that die by falling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, can we name them all? Uh, uh Gaston. Oh, the villain from Pebble and the Penguin. <laughs> What's his name? Um, uh, uh, Drake. Drake. <laughs> Drake dies by falling. Um, uh, Kerchak from Tarzan dies by falling. Did you falling. say someone in Star Wars? Well, nobody dies in Star Wars, apparently. Oh, yeah. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really oh, gone. Oh, Harrison Ford. Well, he didn't die from falling, but he fell after he was stabbed. On <laughs> <laughs> Solo. But, I said Harrison Ford. You know what I meant. No, but there's a. This is an old running joke that like a bunch of old Disney movies, villains, all because it starts with the queen from Snow White. Wait, did you say Mufasa? He wasn't a villain. What did I, I just, just think I, that? I, I think you thought Mufasa. <laughs> but I was just saying old Disney villains. Oh, uh, yeah. But Scar dies. Doesn't he get? Does he fall? Or does he get eaten by hyenas? I don't remember. Oh, my God. How do I not remember? But. Huh. <laughs> but, but a lot of characters would die just by falling because uh-huh. it's an easy thing. We don't have to show it. You know, but I'm glad they kept Steel alive because it's like, oh, he's just shunned by the whole community now. You know, he has nothing, and I think that's well, he's got his, oh, his owner. I maybe have said this before, but I remember that that was actually a a a, a g- 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 gif <laughs> uh, where it showed all the different Disney villains that die by falling, but then it ends with Ursula skewered by the <laughs> yeah. spear the, by the bow of a ship. I just rewatched Little Mermaid actually because I have Disney Plus and it's on there. Uh, but also that's another movie that so has... You can't make her die by falling because she's in the <laughs> yeah. ocean. So we, I guess be we floating. better put a fucking thing through her. They could have had her. the chef like cook her into calamari. <laughs> uh, no, but it's funny because there's also like calamari. kind of a comic relief bird in that movie too, the seagull. So it's like, I don't know what it is about birds. I think I remember talking to... Maybe I'm imagining this, but um, <laughs> back when I was at Duck Studios, 
I'm not bringing that up because it's a bird. (laughs) Duck Series was called Duck Series because it was named after Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers film. Mm. Um, Not that they had anything to do with it. It's just why they called it that. But um, uh, Tony Bancroft, who was one of the co-directors of Mulan, and he animated for Pumba Mm -hmm. and and Kronk and a bunch of other Disney characters. He also worked on Aladdin. He was the animator for Iago. And I remember talking to him about it, and I think they said that they had a rule where it was uh, when in doubt, hurt the bird. Oh, <laughs> it was like it's the opposite of save the cat. Save the, the opposite of save the cat, but it was hurt the bird. Hurt so the maybe bird. that maybe that was like a, a broader thing in animation huh. where it was just like yeah, hurt the bird. And in fact, the beginning of this with um. What's his name? Boris? Uh-huh. Yeah, Boris, like, almost <laughs> getting killed is very reminiscent of Sebastian yeah. and the cook in Little uh-huh. Mermaid. Yeah. And uh, where he's like, he almost gets his, yeah. gets decapitated. He almost gets, he almost gets his goose cooked. <laughs> Literally. And, and it maintains um, some of the logic of feathers being why did they always do that in animated films where they like shove feathers back in after being torn out like iago does that in yeah in aladdin and the king of thieves you know what else it reminded me of though when we watched thumbelina that bug gets his wings ripped off and he just kind of sticks them back on that's not how it works (laughs) yeah feathers i mean all like no he doesn't though doesn't he not get the wings back and then they regrow or something. No, I, I I think he sticks them back on. No, he wants to stick them back on. He's like, give me oh, back, maybe. give me back my wings. Oh, yeah, were like you thinking gonna... of that because it's also Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> I don't know the voice of Iago. <laughs> the I just voice of being the Beatle. Very that. disturbed that his wings got ripped off. Like, oh my god. Okay, but anyway. But birds. Why were we talking comic about comic relief bir- birds? Yeah, I don't know. We haven't talked about the polar bears yet. The polar bears, the Phil Collins bears. The the comic relief polar bears, which I was not on board with until not just the the floofiness, but actually when they, (laughs) when they saved Balto, they had this character arc of like, they previously were like, we don't know how to swim. We're polar bears and we can't swim. But then they saved Balto. And I was like, okay, okay. Like not necessary characters. That's when they became Chekhov's polar bears. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to put a pair of polar bears in your movie. Voiced by Phil Collins. Voiced by both voiced by Phil Collins. Then you better, you better have a reason for it. I think because I thought there was no reason for them being there and they kind of, they did something and I was like, okay, I didn't need these characters, but I'm with it. I'm with it at this point. You want to know a funny connection here? Uh, Phil Collins did the music for Tarzan? No. That's true. But <laughs> Phil Collins did the music for Brother Bear. Oh, really? Or he did a song. Did he do maybe, the whole score? I, I don't know. Maybe I think only he did... in Tarzan he might have just done a song too. Well, no, he did. Of... Did he do the whole tons score? Tons of songs. Yeah, he did. A, I don't. I forget who did the score oh. technically, but he did tons of songs oh, for Tarzan. Okay. Um, but no, he also it was Mark Mancina. I think that's the same team. Mark Mancina did the music for Tarzan. I'm pretty oh, sure as well. So uh-huh. I think it was more like a. One's handling the score, the other's handling some. But he did songs for Brother Bear. So what's with Phil Collins and bears? <laughs> um, and Brother Bear was in what two thousand three. I think I actually saw Brother Bear. You're one of the ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they made a Brother Bear two, which was the most eye raising thing to me. I did Brother Bear do what? Hold on. <laughs> uh, I guess it did. Brother Bear had a budget of forty six million and made 250.4 million that's like a success that's a huge hit i guess that's why but i never talked to anyone who saw brother bear (laughs) i never (laughs) i never saw brother bear 
Why have I seen Brother Bear? Like one of my roommates in college wanted to watch it and she had it on DVD. <laughs> I guess so. I but I guess there was reason to make a Brother Bear too, but Anyway, I would love to know why Phil Collins was the voice of these two bears. Yeah, it seems weird. Because he's not usually a voice actor, right? Has he done any other I, voice acting? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the genesis of his voice acting, one might ask? Was, is that... He was a genesis. Oh, okay. He was in, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was making... <laughs> I was but, making a terrible joke. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. No. The, well, you know, Phil Collins actually shows up in A Hard Day's Night. With the Beatles? Yeah. Oh. He's in the audience in um, the crowd, like at the concert part at the end. He's actually... Oh. There's like one shot, I think, where you see him as a kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's just a fun little trivia thing. So he has so, a long acting career. And technically, <laughs> if you want to count from beginning to end. Um, but I'm trying to find... <laughs> no, I'm trying to look up Phil Collins' acting <laughs> acting career. Hold on. Because I didn't... I, I felt like it, you know, as far as those characters, the voice acting worked, you know? Like it didn't feel to yeah. me like it was someone who was not an actor. I actually, I mean, I guess it makes sense since one talks very minimally, but I, yeah. I kind of didn't even process that the other one yeah. was him too. Yeah. Muck and luck. Yeah. What are they? Yeah. Muck so <laughs> I'm trying to find, it's funny. Like when you're trying to look up the acting credentials of someone who's such a well-known musician. Yeah. It's kind of like. What's like, why do you want to know that? <laughs> but it's, okay, yeah. In 64, uncredited as a young fan in the crowd during a Beatles performance in A Hard Day's Night. Huh. Uh, he is also in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He is a Bulgarian child in a scene that was cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's R3? I don't know. But here, I just brought up the... Calamity the Cow. It doesn't say what he did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You took the picture of like when the one, the bigger bear, the bigger polar bear gets floofy. He's all floofed up. It's real cute. He was Inspector Good in Hook. Uh, I've seen Hook many times. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was Phil the Shill. Or no, it was the episode was Phil the Shill of Miami Vice. The two Ronnies. Yeah, so I guess he's in Mickey's 60th birthday as himself. Okay. <laughs> Roland coping and frauds. I guess he does have. Oh, he's voice of Lucky in Jungle Book too. He has like some vague acting career. Huh. So, uh, but yeah, who would know that? Um, oh, think twice, Mister. Wait, there we go. Um, the so anyway, uh, I actually really like Phil Collins. It's probably not a. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's good. I mean, like I wouldn't say I like I re- throw him on when I want to listen to something. But I really like, like Tarzan a lot. I haven't seen Tarzan actually. It's not a movie people speak very highly of, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy the soundtrack to Tarzan. I think it's actually a great soundtrack, even though it's super easy to make fun of that soundtrack for being too uh, sappy and sweet. Uh. It's actually. I don't know. I think it's a really touching soundtrack about trying to find your place and about. But you like things that are a little sappy and I, sweet. I guess so. so. <laughs> but that's like Balto, uh, a man who was raised by 
by apes, by gorillas. Uh, Wait, well, how is that like Balto? Well, because he feels neither <laughs> oh, part of okay. man nor gorilla <laughs> It's like Balto so was he, raised by gorillas. <laughs> but he, he can't, you know, his he has a problem with identity because he doesn't know what he is. Oh, yeah. Like Balto. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins, Muck and Luck, polar bears who are annoying at first. Yeah. They kind of grow on you. A little. Like you never really need them, but you're like, okay. Sure. Right. Why not? They save yeah. Balto. They're cute when they're floofed up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he dries I'm off it. after <laughs> saving him. Um, I hate bears. You two guys ought to learn how to swim someday. You'd be very good at it. Yes, well, of course we were. We were in the water. We were moving. We got wet, didn't we? We. Luck. We were swimming. (laughs) And then they. But it's weird because it's like you have good polar bears who are white. Yeah. And then you have an evil bear mm-hmm. that is black. Well, and <laughs> at just, the end, just pointing that out. When everyone's celebrating Balto, yeah, yeah. we talked about it where the goose comes over and is like hugging him. Then the two polar bears run yeah, the into the middle of everyone. You no, think everyone would be screaming nobody, and running away. Nobody freaks nobody out. Nobody reacts at all. Like it's weird to see these wolf and a goose and two polar bears <laughs> two polar just <laughs> hanging out, you know? Like <laughs> So there's of all the ancillary characters ancillary you have the goose you have the the polar bears uh they're actually fine like i i ended up being fine with them but the ones that i just did not like really very much at all are like the the three dog cronies oh yeah that are like steel's game stereotypes I guess. Because it was such a one note joke yeah. of just like, it, it's terrific. It's awesome. It's great. It's yeah. okay. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And the one dog that just like, and, and, and uh, something stupid. Yeah. And they yeah. hit him. Yeah. Until the very, I guess there is a payoff at the end where he, he's like, they should make a statue of him. Mm. Like, you said it. I did. <laughs> That's the one payoff you get for this running joke of them hurting yeah. the. Uh-huh. The one, dog. but that was the one thing where I kind of like, I all right, we're yeah. we're doing this, are we? There is a part where one of them, there's like an ET reference where one of them, like, oh yeah, it's there's... like the stalactites or stalagmites. They're looking or whatever. through like the the clear the, ice, the ice, yeah. When they went through the cave, and they get all distorted like a house of mirrors, and like one of them turns into ET in it's, the mirror. Uh, yeah. It was cute. Yeah, it, well, it was also like. Steven Spielberg, come on. Come on, we Spielberg. Know, he's like, remember E.T.? Remember, like, <laughs> remember <laughs> yes, how Yes, Steven, we remember. <laughs> remember how much you liked E.T. of all things? Um, but the who were the voices? Who were those dogs? What were their names? I don't know. Oh, I see. Ja- okay, Jack, Angel, Danny, Mann, and Robbie Wrist as Nikki, Caltag, and Star, respectively. Mm. The okay. only three prominent members of Steel's team who later abandoned him for Balto. Yeah. Um, Nikki is a red and tan chow chow. Caltag is a tawny Chinook esque dog, and Star is the Al- a-, a goatee is is an uh, goatee colored Siberian husky. Oh, a goatee, a goatee uh-huh. colored. I'm sorry, I don't know. William Salazar served as stripey, I think. But uh. okay, so William Salazar served as supervising animator for the team. So that means, like, yeah, you had a consistent person animating the three of them so they did feel kind of coherent together well 
And what I loved in the credits that I pointed out when we were watching the credits is that rather than having like the voice cast and then like the animation team, they actually had it broken down by each character. Yeah. So they had Balto voiced by Kevin Bacon animated by so-and-so. Like they had the whole team of like who worked on each character. And I thought that was so interesting. It's helpful because yeah. when you're looking at, and even it seems funny because the Wikipedia article has done the same thing here. Oh, cool. Where it, it, it gives you the supervising animator. So it's like Nicholas Marlett supervising animator for muck and luck uh and then sahin Ersos served as supervising animator for steel and uh and who was it for rose not rosie (laughs) (laughs) not 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 you um although it was david bowers served as supervising animator for rosie but Mm. who was jenna who was where was bridget fauna robert stephen hagen stephen hagen Served as supervising animator for Janet. Yeah, so it's cool here that it says like who was each. Because that's so, you know, that is what they do in a lot, in pretty much all animated films, right? Is they always have one person whose role is to animate this one character to keep it consistent, right? So I I don't understand why they don't usually break it up by character because that would be so, would be so, I don't know, it's just such a more interesting way to see the credits, I think. Yeah. More informative. It, 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 it is a more helpful way of, of connecting it all mm-hmm. rather than having to like break your mind looking at it. It's like, yeah. okay, who did, okay, they did that and that and that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it is fair and it gives at least some credit to the animators who are putting in yeah. just as much, if not more work than oh, yeah. the voice actors are. So it's like a feeling of more of like ownership over like the work that you've done. Over it's like, yeah, you animated this character through the whole thing. Collectively, you are that character yeah. acting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I guess we didn't talk about Rosie at all. <laughs> Is that the the little girl? <laughs> the little girl. Uh, it says Juliet Brewer is the voice of Rosie. Mm. Um, I think you laughed when she started coughing. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, I can't remember why I laughed at the time, but it's such a trope of like when you're sick, you cough. And yes, a, like, a cough is one of the symptoms of diphtheria, but it's not the main symptom. The main as symptom is this thing that said. grows. They should have had her open her mouth and there's just like this weird growth on her throat and, and it's choking her. You should have had her open her mouth and then like the noise from the thing happens <laughs> and, uh, and then a bunch of um, crazy shit starts happening. Uh, turns out we got a lighter on fire, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and apparently, um, if somebody is like that ill, like if they've had diphtheria for that long and they get the vaccine, it's not even like a guarantee that they'll survive because it, yeah, it's like, that's a little bit late to be getting and not the vaccine, but the antitoxin. So, you know, it's not like all the kids would have been saved. There's still a good chance she would have died. Yeah. So, which is sad, but it's like, he- <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Cause this movie is essentially, I mean, in, in screenwriting terms, like, or in just storytelling terms in general, there's this idea on the Campbellian myth that you are going to get, you go into the darkness to get the elixir and bring it back, mm-hmm. you know? And in this case, it's a literal elixir. Like it, it couldn't be more the actual yeah, thing yeah. that is, is the kind of symbol of what you're supposed to get is something that does actually benefit humanity. Whereas interesting you, things like Lord of the Rings are kind of the opposite. It's going into the, the heart oh, of it to get rid yeah. of the thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it usually is like, yeah, we got to bring back something that benefits. It could be the, um, 
you know, the fire that, that sparks, uh, the, the creativity of humankind or whatever. So that was an abstract thing <laughs> to say, but you know what I mean? Where it's uh-huh. like, who, what Pandora, the whole story of Pandora. Oh, her box. Yeah. Her box. Yeah. Well, we all know about Pandora's box, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I always thought that should be a euphemism. I know. Um, no, but Whose like, vagina isn't Pandora's box. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? But but the fire, you know what I'm talking about? Like in Greek myth, there was like the fire that. um, Oh, when like humans start. Oh, wasn't it like uh, Prometheus? Wasn't it? Prometheus. Yeah. So the flame. Wait, who's the one that is like punished for it? Oh, I don't know. Like Peter or (laughs) who gives somebody gets the flame Uh and brings it to humankind and then as punishment, they have to like push a boulder up for eternity. Uh-huh. Do you know oh, what- yeah, that guy. Oh, what was his name? Oh, it was like Jim or something. Let me see. Uh, uh, why did Prometheus? Promethe- it was Prometheus. He stole fire. Yeah. Okay. So Prometheus stole the fire to give to humankind and then was punished for it. But anyway. But oh. Wh- but where did the fire come from? Whose was it? Uh... I don't know. Zeus was angry at Prometheus. I don't know. It's just a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of men who are angry it's at each the other. Fire that Prometheus. So the Prometheus fire is the elixir. It's the thing that benefits oh, everyone. Here we go. Uh, so blah 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 blah. Prometheus lit a torch from the sun and brought it back to man. Zeus was enraged that man again had fire. He decided to inflict a terrible punishment on both man and Prometheus. To punish man, Zeus had Hephaestus create a mortal of stunning beauty. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, and they created Pandora, the first woman. The final gift was a jar. uh, Zeus and Pandora down. Uh, Pandora's beauty was too great. I don't know. Look, this is all just a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Storytelling. (laughs) They have to get the elixir and bring it back. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) I went off on all that. but, Mm. but, But Rosie's almost annoying. Almost. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like she's teetering on being like too much of the child. Well, it's funny because you mentioned that her parents were like the parents and we're back. (laughs) You're like, don't worry, you're going to move to New York. And (laughs) no, no, say it's like as she was getting sicker, it was like, don't worry. We'll just make another one and live in New York. (laughs) But it's funny because when I first, oh, I did write it down that uh, a common theme in amblimation films or a motif is annoying kids. Although there wasn't one in Five Locals West, but. um, (laughs) Unless you count Five Well, this kid wasn't annoying. She was just like, she was like too precocious, you know? Ironically, her grandma version or the older version of Rosie is almost more annoying than Rosie. Yeah. Who, and the, no of course, offense the, to that actress. The but. big twist at the end, which I already figured out, is that that woman in the live action is Rosie all grown up. It's I mean, obvious. Look, I don't know if they meant it to be a twist or it's more of a like confirmation if anything it's like yeah that's we we know it felt we like they were wanting both. it to be a twist like or a reveal where it's like right where she's oh like, my oh, god Balto, it's her. thank you for helping <laughs> yeah. oh you know what it is it's because the her granddaughter goes come on grandma rosie like she, she i think she literally <laughs> yeah. says that <laughs> so it's like yeah they're trying to make it a reveal it's like oh, come on guys we already figured and this out lola bates campbell 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 as Rosie's unnamed granddaughter who <laughs> appears in live action sequences and accompanied by her dog blaze. Okay. A purebred mm. Siberian Husky. Mm. So 
but yeah, the parents are so like, yep, those sure are Rosie's parents, you know, yeah. being concerned about her. The humans are kind of not the important thing in this yeah. movie, which is sort of funny. And you did mention like, oh, shouldn't they be worried about catching diphtheria? Uh, yeah. Adults adults could get it, but uh, it was a thing where adults didn't usually get it mm. because they had either had it as kids and survived which means they had immunity to it or they had right. been carriers as kids. You can be a carrier and not have symptoms. And then you have the antibodies or something. So babies wouldn't get it. Adults, because babies have immunity from their mothers um, after they're just born. Wait, you have your mother's you antibodies. still be a carrier. Yeah. you can. Well, it. which is why, yeah, you can be a carrier and spread it to other people without having symptoms too. It felt like a lot of adults just wandering this whole wing of like yeah. sick, very, very sick They children. probably shouldn't have been in there. But and then there, oh, and there's the what I mean, it's cute, but it's also like kind of where the they bring in uh Jenna oh, because yeah. they're like, it's the only it's the only medicine we have. <laughs> um, is Jenna going up to Rosie yeah. and trying to comfort her? Uh-huh. It's kind of a sweet scene, but you probably shouldn't let the dog <laughs> get near well, the, the dogs. Very... Can't get diphtheria, probably, can they? <laughs> But, I don't know. I don't but, think uh, they did, though. But yeah, like, this is a fun, uh, uh, you know, I guess well, I'm trying to think of what else there is. It's just Balto goes into the into the deep, deep woods and ends up finding this the dog sled where Steel is slowly being rejected by all the other dogs because he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Balto! Is that Balto? How did you find us? Is anyone hurt? Everyone is fine. Yeah, but our musher hit his head. And he didn't get up. And he's not moving. All right, follow me. I can lead you home. We don't need your help. Maybe we should listen to him. (laughs) Well, how would you get us home, Dave? Well, I, I marked the trail. Like this. Oh, yeah. I'll get us back. I'm the lead dog. I'm in charge. Then let me take back the medicine. They're getting sicker. (laughs) Touch that box, and I'll tear you apart. And then... Steel tries to prevent Balto from finding his way back, because Balto's been scratching, leaving himself marks. Because they're marking everything. Um, Yeah. And uh, eventually they make it. (laughs) yeah <laughs> it's like it's, it's harrowing it's not really it feels like there should be something some one last thing but it's just kind of like yeah it's hard yeah they cross a very precarious mm-hmm. bridge uh what even is it that they go over the one just an ice bridge it's just an ice bridge it's like how did did you take that on your way like that seemed very unsafe yeah uh and then Jenna creates the Northern Lights. I'm sorry. I just didn't get the Northern Lights thing with the bottles. No, it only came up twice. It came up once to establish it that you can make the Northern Lights with broken bottles and another time at the end when she uses it. That happened to be under the medical... They felt weird merging those. I know they did it for efficiency, but it was also like... Oh, these uh, we're we're coming in here to listen to the diagnosis of Rosie, but yeah. also we're also on a date. <laughs> also, we're on a date and check out these northern lights. Uh, so then he sees them, and then they get back, and uh, the other two, everybody finds out steals a fraud, and the two hot 
other two hot dogs. <laughs> end up, end well, up. yeah. Then Jenna like gives him a look like, hey, and he's like, hey, <laughs> they just give each other like those looks. There's a for... very long stare that they have at one point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess I, I like this movie. I think it's probably the most competent. I guess we can say like ratings now of the animation yeah. films. Um, I think I still put Five Goes West higher than this. And then yeah. this at two, and then mm-hmm. we're back at the worst. And then yeah. the new cats at four, even <laughs> though I haven't seen it. Um, I put this at one. I put Balto at one, okay. even though like Five Goes fair. West was more of my childhood film. But upon rewatching, I felt like it was paced wrong. I felt like it just plot wise, it didn't flow quite as well for me. Five Goes West. So I, I put it at two, but a close two. And then, hmm. I hadn't thought about trying to rank cats and we're back. <laughs> it's cats Honestly, than cats we're is back. better than we're back. Uh, cats cats, cats is 2019 is, <laughs> is number three. And the we're unofficial, back is four. The unofficial fourth animation <laughs> yeah. movie. Cats is better than we're back. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, uh. I think I agree with you a little bit about Fievel. I think that it isn't as tight narratively. Yeah. I think there's more of an emotional resonance yeah. with some of what's going on in Balto. But I do, there's something intangible about uh, Five Goes West that I think is really lovely. Yeah, no, Five Goes West is still really, really great. So maybe it's uh, just all the stuff with Tanya. Mm, yeah, I, maybe. I, I feel like she kind of makes that movie um, just with those numbers, uh, mu- numbers, musical numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah maybe it's mostly kathy cavadini just doing an amazing job with that one character because like dreams to dream and um girl you left behind are such like amazing parts of that film Mm -hmm. in my memory and that it kind of eclipses everything else and also john cleese's catarwall is fabulous and yeah um good stuff in there yeah but balto is a solid film yeah it i mean it yeah it feels like a little like an older like you wouldn't make it this way now no. even if you were going to do it 2d but like if you kind of look past some of those sort of cliches mm-hmm. there's a solid story here and it is kind of weird it didn't do better yeah yeah i i'm surprised that this is what tanked amblimation yeah i'm just still gonna put the blame on we're back for pre-tanking it <laughs> for pre <laughs> like like it was um like it was just kind of on its last leg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Balto had to be a huge success, which it w- was not, you know, but like it needed to just make back like 10 times its budget to to get them out of the hole from we're back. And there was just too much, too much it had to do to, to compensate for that, that terrible movie. But yeah. And it's nice seeing the little five logo come up at yeah, the end. Felt yeah. like it kind of brings it full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently when the studio was shut down in 97, uh, some of the Amblimation staff went on to form or to join DreamWorks Animation. Mm. Uh, so there was kind of a, you know, somewhat of a, of this becoming like, like yeah. with Prince of Egypt, with Prince of Egypt, like Simon Wells being the director yeah. for that, it, it all kind of shifted over there. And I wonder if people who had worked on this ended up working on like Spirit, Stallion of Ooh. the Cimarron. Oh, I really want to watch Stallion that. Stallion of the Cinnamon. I want to see James Baxter's animation. James, James Baxter. 
so yeah, what would you rate it? Oh, are we doing ratings? <laughs> I'm trying to force ratings into this now. Just... Um, <laughs> hmm. Well, it's hard because I want to grade it on I, a curve with everything else, but I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it an A minus. I don't know about you, but I give it a K nine out of ten. No, that's not true. I probably give it like a seven point five. Oh, I did a eight. letter grade. I did an A minus. I know. So. I'm, I'm th- but I'm thinking like, well, an A minus would be like nine nine well, out of ten. Well, but see, I see in that sense, I wouldn't give it a nine out of ten. <laughs> but I think I'd give it. Yeah, I'd give it like a seven or an eight. I would say, or or an A minus if we're doing because I think it did well. Maybe a but B plus. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how. A how B. I give hard. it a B. I give it a B for movie. Balto. <laughs> Get it? You you stepped like over my joke with with a B movie joke. It's so fitting. I, I was like trying to say it all like <laughs> profoundly and everything. Like I give it a B for Balto. Like B movie. Like B movie. You like jazz? You like jazz? You like jazz? You like jazz? Well, should we wind? wind down i guess so i can't i can't think of anything else to say about oh there is like one last thing i'd like to bring up and it's just a funny memory associated with this movie i used to go to a fun show over at um over at ucb Mm -hmm. upright citizens brigade um where there was a show called the tournament of nerds Mm -hmm. and i think they probably still do it but i'm not sure but it essentially was people competing defending a character it's like you had to it was a debate you had to argue for your character against other characters and the audience would kind of cheer but there was like a panel of judges um and i don't even remember who it was but uh there was like someone trying to argue for why like dogs weren't they were like there's no famous cartoon dogs (laughs) you know it's like or, or no, 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 it was wolves. It was oh. where they're like, yeah, there's no famous cartoon wolves. And and for whatever reason, I just was being a, an ass in the audience. I was like, Balto. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. And the woman stopped, like clearly annoyed that I had interrupted with some interjection from the audience. And then Hal, Hal Rednick, who's like one of the, the co-hosts, just like, without missing a beat, is like, playing the Balto card. <laughs> And I'll just never forget that because he took what was an annoying interruption from me, but turned it into something funny. Um, so I always just remember heckling comedians with Balto. I, I always remember that. That's like playing the Balto card. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't come up often, but when it does, it's 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 a that's amazing. <laughs> it's a profound moment. So I'll. We played the Balto card here yeah. on the podcast, and uh, we hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about this movie yeah. for probably way longer than anyone else Probably. Would. And make sure to get vaccinated, you guys. Get your get your boosters, too, because you need to get those like every 10 years. Get vaccinated. Don't get diphtheria. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that, I've been... Did we introduce ourselves at the beginning? No. No. Well, I'm Dak Schaefer. I'm Sarah Iyer. Uh Where can they follow you? At Dax Schaefer on Instagram and, <laughs> at and Balto Girl 1998. Balto, damn it, I just said Balto Girl. <laughs> I'd be I'd be Balto Girl 87 fan. <laughs> I like how you kept everything the same but the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to. I don't want to be Balto dude or Balto guy. Yeah, no, that's a. I wouldn't want to follow Balto guy um, on the internet. <laughs> the Balto girl. <laughs> 
that's a that's a choice username i think to have <laughs> but yeah check it out if you're curious if you've never seen it um yeah it's not a bad it's not a bad film mm-hmm. it's a grid film yeah uh, and, and where can you be found? Uh, I am at uh, Steel is a hot piece of ass eighty five. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Steel is the new Jenner. <laughs> no, Steel is the new. What's his name? Um, Justin. So, Justin. Steel is the new <laughs> Justin. Still can't remember his name. We've got, um, and we had a Jenna in this movie. I yeah. don't think we commented on that, but oh yeah, it, because of the Jenna. And I was thinking, oh, Steel's kind of a Jenner, <laughs> but. <laughs> but <laughs> And then we're bringing up Justin. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm actually at Sarah Iyer on Instagram, Sarah Andrew Lee Iyer on Twitter. Uh, check out, it would have already come out by now, but the Percast episode where we talk about cats right. uh, <laughs> with, with Chris Bermonte, who's also been on this podcast. Um, yeah. Check it all out. Check it and all I'll, out. I'll start posting to Twitter again one day. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll plug one thing, uh, Cinepraisal. Yeah. I... <laughs> There was a plug I had to remove from a previous episode <laughs> because I was going to put up the Jurassic Park episode last month, but I couldn't, <laughs> I realized I didn't have the files <laughs> because we had recorded it on, like, I thought I had it, but it was from my Zoom, which was a backup. And we actually had like split files for it, but they were on Adam's computer and he was out of town until wow. January. And Stephen also was out of town until January who also had had the files. So both the people I could get the proper files from were just not around. Um, but now it's happening. And so hopefully that is, that is out <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear it. The whole Jurassic park episode with, with Steven and, uh, and uh, Zach was also on there, but, but, but yeah, like it was a fun, it was a fun time recorded several years yeah. ago. <laughs> Go listen to Sin Appraisal. Go it. listen to Sin Appraisal. Um, yeah, and you can follow us. Uh, well, you can email us at thewholebluth at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at nothing but the booth. You can also like our Facebook page. Do it because we post cool behind the scenes photos. We post sometimes unwrapping videos, which we didn't do for this one, but uh, you know, you get to watch Dax struggle with, with plastic cellophane. cellophane. <laughs> struggling with cellophane. So follow us on those Is, things. Uh, sound- mm-hmm. Struggling with cellophane, they're playing at the Echo next week. I think actually, <laughs> such a stupid joke, but it's, it it's always good. It works. Always works, yeah. Um, yeah. So follow us there, and uh, you know we'll read your reviews next time if we have any new reviews. Uh, read it on the next Bluth episode. So leave us your five star reviews now, or you know whatever. It doesn't have to be five. Like, but but we hope you like us. <laughs> and remember, you don't need to be a Siberian Husky to be a hot dog. No, I don't know. <laughs> bye get vaccinated (laughs) vaccinate your kids and dogs I guess yeah can you vaccinate a dog yes yay Balto I'd be lost without you
I just got Tango some vaccines. He just got some vaccines at the vet. He is, didn't like it. Is there a tag that we can do? I'm, oh. I'm trying to think of... I can't think of anything. More like balls toe. <laughs> no, that doesn't... What? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> More like ball to no. More like balt no. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's just good enough. We'll be more clever in the future. I'm sorry, guys. No, we won't. <laughs>